here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I like him. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? Arch Madness. That's what's going on. We got the uh, Big Ten Tournament tonight. I know... That you like me. Glued. Oh, yeah, glued to watch you are Nebraska versus Purdue or whatever. Not game. even, my <laughs> friend. It is Rutgers versus Minnesota. Oh, yes. Big Ten royalty Rutgers, of course. <laughs> At MSG. <laughs> and first round Big Ten action. It's so weird the Big Ten tournament starting in February, you know, a major conference like that. But, you know, they insist on, for some reason, playing their tournament in Madison Square Garden, which makes no sense. How many Minnesota fans do you think are in this building for the 14th seed Minnesota uh, or whatever they are uh, in this, in this, what's essentially a play-in game? Uh, the 11, their 11th seed. Rutgers is the 14th seed. Okay. Um, you know, now Rutgers, all they got to do is come across the tunnel or the bridge or take the subway, but Rutgers has no fans. We all know that. Uh, but, but do you think like Minnesota or Iowa or Northwestern fans are really going to come all the way to New York city to watch their teams, maybe play two games? Uh, right. I used to, well, I used to go to uh, the big Ten when it was in the United center, I used to go a lot because it was kind of cool. Like, you know, I'd, I'd take a day off school or whatever. And it was pretty fun when I, back when I really watched college basketball, because it was a day where you could get into the arena at whatever, 10 AM, 9 AM or whatever. And you were good to go the rest of the day. Like four you, games. Exactly. So it was awesome. It was like, a and, great the, and it belongs in Chicago. Right. That, and like, but people what I'm saying, travel is, to Chicago. They're not well, going. That, they weren't. And that's the thing that like, you know, your Illinois would do well. Uh, your Iowa's would do well. But I remember like Minnesota, nobody showed up ever. Um, Wisconsin, they they always travel pretty well, but you at least have a lot of alums from those area, from those colleges or whatever. Like that's yeah. what a big Iowa. So there was always a big Iowa contingency. There was always a big, um, you, you know, uh, uh, Illinois, of course, because they're right there or whatever. Wisconsin would always have a big contingency. A few I'm of the sure, ones would have. I'm North. sure, like I'm sure, like Michigan, Indiana, yeah, Ohio yeah, like State big, well. big, big time schools. But like Minnesota, I remember there was a game in Minnesota, and there was like nobody there from Minnesota because yeah. it's like, well, okay, like there's not a lot of Minnesota alums that live in Chicago or whatever, and they a lot of them aren't. They're not going to travel to Chicago. You know, for on a you know in the middle of the week or whatever for this tournament, and then let alone travel to New York where like it's twice as expensive. It yeah. has you know it's so far away from where you are. Like you can justify the nine hour drive to Chicago and spending a night somewhere. In, in, in but to do that to go to MSG, and I'm sure the tickets aren't very cheap at MSG either. I mean, nothing at MSG is cheap tickets. Everything is expensive. Everything you go to there. So I can't even imagine what this. All of these conference tournaments, even if you hold them in your own backyard, you're always going to have a couple dopey teams where. 
nobody shows up. You know, whether it's just a program no one cares about or they're having a down year and people just aren't willing to travel. But it, it really makes no sense that they're playing this thing in Madison Square Garden. It's just really stupid. Well, yeah, we, we get that in Illinois because the so our the original March Madness, they like to tell you that every time, is is because they, they invented having a tournament in March or something. I don't know. But uh, they played in Peoria, Illinois, which is nowhere near like Chicago. I mean, it's not far, but it's like, you know, two hours or whatever, hour and a half or whatever. The problem, though, is that, it, you know, a large confluence of the teams are obviously coming from Chicago or whatever. So the tournament kind of sucks because like when you get to the finals and it's, you know, Derek Rose's old team and, and all these teams from the city that come here, they don't travel all that well. So like it's this giant arena that's just like empty, you know, it's where Bradley plays. I'm sure you, I know that you watch nothing, if not uh, tons of Bradley Braves games, but um, so it's at the PRX civic center. And it's just like, you go and there's some teams that travel really well. And there's some teams that'll come, you know, from, from downstate or whatever from area. But like a lot of your contingency of Chicago fans won't make the trip to Peoria and it's like you know I, I like that it's in Peoria it's kind of cool that like you kind of get away but man it'd be much better if it was just in Chicago like go where your base is go where the most people are as opposed to you know out in, in you know the middle of nowhere but whatever listen I do happen to watch Bradley Braves basketball okay, they, well, open up the, they open up the Missouri Valley tournament against Drake tomorrow at 2.30 <laughs> of course, okay? of course. So, and I'm going to be all over it you know, right? you know actually no it's not tomorrow it's uh, Friday I keep thinking are they playing the Missouri Valley kind? are they playing at Staples Center or what do they the the Missouri Valley tournament? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what building they put that in. <laughs> Key Arena. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Seattle. Yeah, They're yeah. in okay. Seattle for the Missouri joke, Valley. Joke yeah. went way over my head. I'm an idiot, but uh, but yeah. So, um, yeah. But what'd you uh, what'd you have for lunch yesterday? I see what you're trying to do here. On your birthday, what'd you have for lunch? <laughs> I had what I brought. I brought lunch from from home. I had a uh, so had you weren't you you weren't able to hustle a free lunch. And save the twelve fifty. No, on, on your birthday, you tried hard. I really did. I did. You learned your lesson, though. If you try to sign up for restaurant, like you know, <laughs> frequent diner cards or whatever, they're not going to give you the free birthday meal if you try to sign up on your birthday. Oh, come on! It should be automated. I I, I don't know give why you email. thought that was going to work. Give me the email. It pop up. It should pop up right away. Hey, oh, it's your birthday. Hey, cool. Here's well, did it work? <laughs> you paid for your lunch, didn't you? I brought my pathetic lunch from home, which was terrible. Yeah, but next year you're gonna have like 19. I'm gonna be good, but no, the no, no, no. Here's the issue: is a lot of times I do sign up for these things, and I the problem is by God, you know, November I unsubscribe from all of them because I'm annoyed of getting you know Wingstop emails five times a week or whatever. So I don't even give a shit that I'm gonna get a free you know order of fries on my birthday. But then February 27th rolls around and I go, God damn it, I really would like a large order of fries for free, and then it doesn't happen. So. um I mean, I could have gone to Denny's. I think Denny's will let you just show your ID to get a grand slam, but I didn't really want diarrhea, so I decided that was probably not a good idea. Um, and then a lot of other places just don't. Yeah, you got to sign up to the emails and stuff. So I was, uh, I struck out. I struck out pretty bad, but uh, I tried. I signed up to a bunch of them. So you were scrambling hard for this free meal. Like, why didn't you think it is last week? You probably you know, would. It's not a bad idea. I should have thought of it. I, I didn't. I, I got there. I think the the thing is, my mom always like will call and be like, "Oh, what are you doing for your birthday or whatever?" I'm like, "I ah, just going to work." She's like, "Well, don't forget you can get free things or you know, don't forget to da da da." da. And then I'm like, "Ah, okay, let me check." And it's like I'm not subscribed to any of these things. I'm not, you know, I'm not l- logged in anything. I'm not on any frequent anything. I'm not on any email list or whatever. So yeah, it always ends up being pretty bad. I did get free yoga. Um, for some reason, I'm subscribed to a yoga's thing. So I uh. Can go to uh, core Wait, power. What do you yoga mean you got for, free yoga? Like one session? I, I got an email that says from uh, core power yoga. It says, uh, "Happy birthday! Enjoy a free yoga session on us." Did you go? 
Not yet. I can use it anytime in the next few weeks. So next time the nurse is off, we'll, uh, we'll go do some yoga. Yeah. Hot girls in the yoga pants, right? Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, it's, a, it's a great workout, but man, there's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So you're agreeing. I am absolutely agreeing. It is a, it's an right, Do you wear the leggings? I do not wear the leggings. No, I just wear basketball okay. shorts. So unfortunately, I mean, right. I could, I could, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's an experience, uh, a good, uh, good yoga session. Is uh is is something that's uh every man should do. It's it's pretty fun. I, I enjoy. It's a great workout too. I mean that's that's you know more than anything, Joe. It's about the workout and the increase. In it's flexibility. all about the workout. It's all about the increase in flexibility and not the you know the best. If, if you're a guy that goes and I, Joe, uh, now you're taking. I, I should have given you this advice years ago. Actually, I think I did give you this advice years ago. The great thing is if like you're a guy that doesn't know shit. There's like a weird like there will be some people that just kind of roll their eyes and like you're annoyed of you. But there are a lot of like, let 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 me help this poor, innocent, like idiot that has no idea what he's doing. So it's pretty yeah. cool in that respect. Like you get a lot of the attention because it's like, oh, look at this idiot. He's terrible at it or whatever. Like I said, some roll their eyes and you're ruining their their practice and their their zen or whatnot. But then there's others that see you as like the dumb idiot that they can sort of help mold a little bit. So it's 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 pretty good in that respect. I'm going to tell TLB I'm going to go go to yoga. Just so I can check out hot girls in yoga pants. How do you yeah, think that'll go? It's, I, uh, probably go well, right? You're not married yet. She'll just no. roll her eyes. Is what she yeah, does. she'll say, go to, uh, go to hell. Yeah, you're annoying. And just say it's for the flexibility. You, you are a man that stays in peak physical form. And this is uh, just another way to do that. Excuse me, sir. Top peak physical condition. Oh, I apologize. Top. Yes. Yes. But uh, yeah, she would just roll her eyes at me and call me an idiot and uh, tell me to enjoy, uh, you know, um, pulling every muscle in my body. Yeah, then you'd come yes. home and you'd be very sore and you'd have to, you know, you need her to like get you a bath ready and stuff and climb you, you know, carry you upstairs or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's that's where yoga gets you. You think it's all cute and fun and then you do it and you're like, oh my God, this is, this is bad. Remember when DDP's publicist wanted to get him on this show and um, we were like, okay. And he was like, but he doesn't want to talk about wrestling. You have to talk about the DDP yoga. And we were like, all right, we'll t- take a fucking hike. Why would we do that? We're, basically, you want us to do a 40-minute DDP yoga commercial. You know, like, look, we get how it works. You come on and, you know, you do your plugs. That's that's how the barter system works with these interviews. But the man did not want to discuss wrestling. He just wanted to discuss the DDP yoga. I thought that was insane. And that's probably why we said no. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find the email right now so I can shame them. It had to be like 2013 or yeah, it was. It was a while ago. Yeah, I'm trying to figure well, it out here. Well, it was um, when we were doing interviews, so it had to be. I don't. I couldn't even tell you the last interview we did. I mean, it had to be 2013 or so, maybe even 2012. But um, I was like, the balls on this guy. You know what I mean? Like, um. You know, to to just you know, you're coming on a wrestling podcast, and you're just you can't give us anything. You can't give us 30 minutes of, uh, you know, remember when WCW content before we start hawking your fucking yoga. I mean, it was very insulting to me. Yeah, and it's like, why would we again? Like you said, why the hell would we do that? Like, why? And what would? Yeah. Why would our listeners want to hear just about yoga? Like, we're gonna bring a wrestler on. That's like even worse that we bring somebody who was in the wrestling business that has a lot to say about the wrestling business, and we bring them on and not talk about wrestling at all on our wrestling. Could you podcast. imagine how badly we would have gotten buried by people <laughs> exactly. if we brought DDP on the show, and he's just ta- he's just hawking his fucking yoga workout program the whole time? It would have been a disaster, you know. So we told him to hit the bricks. 
No interest. I did find an email, so I, I, I can't find the original email, but I did find a second email where uh, our, our, our good friends at Audio Boom were telling us that they were getting into a sponsorship, possibly with DDP Yoga, and we said we were interested, and then they gave us an email back that says, oh, DDP Yoga decided to uh, go in another direction, which is AK. They looked in their archives and realized, wait, these assholes told us to go fuck ourselves many years ago. So, Oh, yeah, 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 because Audio Boom would have been a few years later. And I got what you're saying, right? So then they made. So they were like, "Are you guys interested?" And I was like, "Yeah, my wife and I do yoga. We'd be really interested, or whatever." Thinking, "Yeah, don't, I can let them sponsor me, no problem." And then I get an email back that's like, "Ah, uh, they've decided to go another direction," <laughs> which is is yeah. definitely that. Audio Boom came back to DDP Yoga, said, "Yeah, these guys are interested," and then somebody got pinged and said, "Wait, no, these guys are assholes. Fuck them." So that's yeah, they told us to hit the bricks, probably <laughs> in those exact words. Right. When, when we offered up Paige to do their show, because I may have actually typed tell them to hit the bricks, because, you know, <laughs> you're, you're secretly sassy, but I'm straight up sassy. So, you know, I, that's probably how that went down. You're, you're probably not wrong. But, uh, yeah, that would have been dog shit. But, well, uh, most of our interviews were dog shit. Some were very good. but uh, listen, were- I, listen, I think our interviews were good. I, I, think, I think our interviews were, were very good. The problem was nobody was listening back then. And less people would even listen to the interviews. So um, we have, I think we have a lot of good, insightful interviews that just hardly anyone has heard. Like hundreds of people have heard, you know, um, if that in some cases. But, um, you know, I think we did a good job, like getting guests comfortable and getting them to open up. Because I think they're always wary of podcasts because let's face it, there's a lot of like chair shot and switchblade uh, chair shot and, and, and blade job podcasts yeah, out there. Play that, anymore because there's a there's a like we can't right. use that as a anymore since that's a real wrestler. Now, yeah, so. but there's a lot of these dopey podcasts. Where, yeah, where the hosts have gimmick names and you know they use Attitude Era font in their you know you know how it goes and 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 these wrestlers go on these shows and it's embarrassing you know so I think what they do is they feel you out once they see that you're not like a fucking clown they tend to open up and talk more. I mean, that would happen to us all the time. The first 10 minutes would be super awkward and they would be sh- giving us short answers and they'd be guarded. And then when they would see that we weren't buffoons, um, you know, they would give us some good stuff. The worst interviews we ever did were like, you know, I, it may sound arrogant, but I thought it was, you know, when the guest was like not into it as much. Um, I, I guess we had a few where, where we just, weren't intimately familiar with the guests and we didn't have the best questions. The, like the when I had, interview, I had to interview Cybernetico Jr. That was not great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember you that. You at the last minute and yeah. I was like, oh, dear God. I was like, hey, uh, Arena Mexico is kind of cool, right? And he's like, yep. <laughs> like, all right, cool. This is, I, that you know, honestly, is that who it was? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, if you go back, I don't think it's as bad. I think it actually kind of worked out, but it's just like, I'm positive my first four questions were just horrendous and just being like, hey, uh, so you're related to Alberto Del Rio, right? Like, let's talk about that. And then it's yeah, it, kind of weird that way. Like, Dude, funny. I know nothing about you or your career, so let's talk about your family members. So that's kind of how it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably super awkward. Yeah. But, um, but, but you know, and, and, and Velvet Sky was the absolute dumpster. Vel- oh, Velvet the Sky. Yeah. That's the fucking worst because I had no idea where to go with it. We're terrible, so it's not like, and and we weren't going to pretend that was terrible. So it's like we were trying to just ask, and plus, not only that, that was one of those um, ones that TNA Public Relations set up for us. So they were on the line listening in, which is always uncomfortable. So you have this PR person listening in on the interview, ready to jump in at any time if you ask something that they don't want asked. Um, and then I remember we, I just ran out of fucking things to ask, and I asked her how old she was. And- <laughs> 
and you went mental. You're like, you're like typing into to our like little chat. You're like, you never ask a woman how old she is. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, Rich is chivalrous here. I have no fucking questions for this girl. It it's Melvin minutes. Sky. It what are Thirteen you- minutes into the interview, that's the best part. Is it yeah. was like this wasn't like a two hour interview. Like, well, we're just flat out of questions. It was like thirteen. It was like a twenty minute interview, and three <laughs> minutes in- longer so far already. That we did that entire interview and you were already like, uh, so yeah, uh, you know, I don't even remember you how, you know, how old she was. I don't remember the context. God. I think she said, you know what it was? I think she was like, I've been wrestling for 13 years or whatever. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there doing the math in my head. And I was like, wait a minute. You've been, you're a 13 year vet. How long, how old are you? I asked it in a very condescending way, like unintentionally yeah. too. And you were like panic stricken. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe you asked her that. And she was all, she was very meek. She was like, um, I'm 34. You know? <laughs> I was like, I that. And then I think I, I signed off like, immediately after that. Like, all right, thank you. And then, I was like, I just demoralized the Velvet Sky. And then like three minutes later, because we had nothing for her. It was the worst <laughs> interview. Like, and she was polite. I will give her credit. She was polite. And she, there was nothing wrong on her end. We just had nothing to ask her. And we think she stinks. So what are you going to ask this person? And it's like she would answer a question and we would both just there'd be dead air because I'm hoping you have something. You're hoping I have something and nobody has anything. And we're just and then one of us would stammer and just be like, yeah, so um, yeah. Uh, and then just I think I had two questions written down for the whole fucking thing. And once I scratched them off, it, it became how old are you? So I had nothing left. You know, oh, I, I, remember, I came home from lunch to do that interview because they could only do these interviews at like the worst time. By the way, at I had like the file. two o'clock I, in the afternoon. I I, okay, so I have Tuesday. the file. Joe, I have the file. It was our 29th episode ever. Uh, it is yeah. 17 minutes long. The entire oh, God. <laughs> when do we ever do a 17 minute show? That should tell people how awkward and awful it was. So the, the we got to find it. You know what? We got to put that on Patreon. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, the, the, I'm trying to see the the uh, the episode prior we interviewed on my birthday. Oh, there you go, uh, Hernandez. So nice. Uh, that was a good here. interview. Yeah, I'm trying to see how long this one was. I, I think that one was like at least 40 minutes. Yeah, that's. What I'm trying to figure out the exact length of this one just to kind of compare and contrast. <laughs> The length of this one and the length of the Velvet Sky. We should probably put that. Okay, so that one's 54 minutes with Hernandez. Yeah, because it was good. Remember, he was like burying the TNA office. He was like, um, because remember at that time, remember? I think, or no. Even though they said I think uh, Texas maybe set that up. We had a connection in Texas, too, that was setting stuff up. No, that was the, you know who set that up? River City Wrestling. Yeah, right, right. But, um. But he was with TNA at the time. And remember when that was during the days when TNA was drawn. Whenever they would go to Texas, they draw like crazy. Back when they were drawing paying crowds, like they would take Slammiversary to Dallas or they would take, uh, you know, uh, they'd, they'd run Alamo Dome. They were drawing well in Texas. And I remember he buried the TNA office in that interview because he's from Texas. He had all these connections for buildings and he was just going off on how they were ignoring him and then he's trying to help and he's getting sick of this shit. And I was just like, holy shit. I was like, Thank God nobody listens to this show because this man would be fired if TNA. And that's all I all I remember thinking when we were interviewing him. But that was a good one. He was actually a very good guest and uh, very talkative. I think the uh, it wasn't Cybernetico Junior. It was Cicadelico Junior that you interviewed. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's you know those... you know yeah. So that goes to show how bad it must have been. You didn't even know who you were talking to, but because uh, <laughs> that was the same thing. River City Wrestling set that up. They set yeah, up. Yeah, right, right, right. 
But um, yeah, uh, Velvet Sky was set up by TNA. And- oh my God, I'm looking at all these other interviews. So every single other one is like an hour. So you got like, yeah. the only other one was Christopher Daniels because his phone was like breaking up and he was in wa- underwater or something and he had to go or something. But now, Christopher like- Daniels, Christopher Daniels quickly, that was another TNA one that was like two o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday. And you were like, Joe, I can't fucking do it. So I had to do it. I took off of work and did that one by myself. God, I did the velvet one though. I remember like taking my lunch hour and that was it. And then I just was like, God damn it. What a waste of my time. I could have done anything else during this this hour of my life. And I came home to interview velvet sky. And then you asked her how old she was. I was just like, fuck, this is dumb. And his, his phone was like two cans and a fucking string. It was the worst. (laughs) He was driving with the windows down or so. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but it was so bad. And he was, he was, he was a fun interview. And he was talkative and he was he was what exactly what you think Christopher Daniels would be like. The problem is I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Oh, dude, we, and, we are we are almost at the uh, the anniversary here. So the Velvet Sky interview was March 6, 2013. We have to upload it on the same day. We have to upload it. And I haven't even heard it since <laughs> I haven't either. I don't want to. I'm gonna upload I've it. I don't even care. I don't even care what it listens. So I'm just gonna put it the worst shit we ever did. But 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 yeah, Christopher Daniels, and I remember the, the PR person butted in because I, they didn't like my line of questioning because I started to drift away from TNA and they told them we had to wrap it up. And I, I got in an argument. What was her name? Remember we used to make fun of her? Yeah, time? yeah. We found uh, – oh, what was her name? Yeah, And, she, and, and then she got fired and we felt bad. <laughs> Our TNA PR hookup. What the fuck was her name? <laughs> we, yeah, we used, to, we used to say her name all the time on the show. But, and I uh, met her like, because she comped me the tickets to fucking um, – Whatever that show was in the Alamo Dome, um, was it? It wasn't a slam anniversary. I forget what it was. And I had to meet her like in the concourse of the Alamo Dome, which was poorly planned because, lady, I can't get in the building without the ticket. And you, she's like, "Oh, just meet me in the concourse by section whatever." I'm like, "You're not understanding me. I cannot get through the fucking gate. I need the ticket to get to the concourse. You need to come outside." So I had to like finagle with. Um, with uh, with like a security guard and just I, I he's like well do you have a press pass I'm like dude I don't have a press pass I, so I had to show him like my text messages and he let me in and then I met up with you remember Billy uh, uh what's his last name Corgan uh, no 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 not Billy Corgan <laughs> that was wrong with you Billy uh our dude from VSN uh, what the hell oh, is Billy name? Brewer Billy Brewer Billy Brewer yeah so I I met up with Billy Brewer and 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 cheerleader Melissa. And I'm not making this up. It was Billy Brewer, <laughs> cheerleader <laughs> Melissa, and the TNA PR person, and um, one of Billy's buddies who knew cheerleader Melissa, and she had our comp tickets. And so I watched that TNA pay-per-view with cheerleader Melissa, who was on the roster at the time. Rich, it was the weirdest fucking night. I, I, I don't even know how to – like. and then she would just disappear periodically. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go into the locker room. And I was like, okay. Like, and she would just disappear. And then she'd come back and she was sitting like in our nosebleeds with us watching this show. But Rich, she was part of the fucking roster. I, I, I will never understand what was going on with that. I didn't really talk to her because she was kind of weird. But, um, but yeah, that was the PR lady. So she butt in on the Christopher Daniels interview and she cut it short. And then uh, what was the other one? The other one was Victoria. And they had us take – we both took uh, the day off of work. What was her TNA name? Uh, Lisa Tara, Marie. Tara. Tara. Tara, 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 whatever, yeah. 
everyone knows what we're talking about. Remember, we both took off of work for that one, or maybe it was just me. No, I, I did too. <laughs> Don't worry, I did too. Yeah, we both took off work for that. We're sitting around, we're waiting an hour. They're like texting us. Oh, we'll be right there. She's and, in a photo shoot. She's doing interviews every hour. Yeah, we get an like, update. Like, no, no, wait, hold on. She's almost ready. Yes, yeah, so the ninety minutes later, like, oh, we forgot. She's in a photo shoot. She's not going to be available today. And we're like, oh, that's fucking fantastic. You know, this is you know, Rich takes a fucking sick day. I'm fucking taking off of work, and then they don't even send her to us. You know, and then she was very apologetic. I remember uh, to us personally, uh, and 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 I don't think there was a photo shoot. I think that was no. She, I remember I talked to her later because obviously then she started. She started up not that long after uh, the Squared Circle restaurant. I mentioned once that we were supposed to do an interview together, and she remembered me and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm still so sorry about that" or whatever. And and she said, "I don't even know what happened with that." And I said, "Yeah, they said you were on a photo shoot." She's like, "I wasn't on a photo shoot. What are they talking about? They never told me." She wasn't even on the pay per view that right because we, we were doing we were doing they were giving us guests to plug whatever pay-per-view was that month and she wasn't even booked for it which was like and right there was a red flag they're like hey do you want to interview tara we're like well she's not booked for the pay-per-view are you sure you want us to interview her about the pay-per-view yeah. that she's not on and they're like yeah sure i'm like okay i mean yeah i, I was like find these emails i can't i can't find any of these i don't know what the hell happened to them all oh, i must have just deleted them off the face i was looking forward to interviewing her the, the, the yeah. one i was dreading, and christopher daniels i wanted to interview obviously the one i was dreading was fucking velvet sky and i think velvet sky i don't remember anymore because this was like five years ago but i think velvet sky was like a replacement for a replacement for a replacement i know we didn't pick her because they gave us a list um and and I think that like whoever we picked, like fucking Samoa Joe or whoever the fuck it was, like couldn't do it. And it got down to like the fifth choice. And we were just like, whatever, man, we'll do it. Cause we were just trying to make a name, you know? And we sure. figured getting interviews with people that people have heard of would would, would be important. You know, the, the the Lance Hoyt interview I thought was a really good interview. I thought the TJ Perkins TJ interview Perkins was one's awesome. Yeah. We had some good stuff with uh, some independent guys as well. We had uh, Gary J was on. I remember that being a pretty good one. Um, Pierre Abernathy, we had a few times. Darren Corbin, we had Matt Cage, we had on. So we had a few good ones in there. Darren Corbin was an awesome interview. Matt Cage came on twice. He was a good interview. Pierre Abernathy came on like three times. I mean, we interviewed him together, and you inter- I remember I was remember I was stuck in Vegas, and you interviewed him solo, also like a third time. He was always a good guest. Um, yeah, we had uh, like you said, Gary J. Um, we had Reed Bentley. We had. Um, before he was really, before he really broke out, I mean, when he was maybe in his first year, right? Um, we had a couple of those guys that that yeah, I think Trip Cassidy. Uh, we had Trip Cassidy Trip too. Cassidy, because Tom Green hooked us up with those, I think. Um, because at the time, I think we were sponsoring the uh, the Joe Gagne Funtime. What do you call it? The, the, oh, the Funtime Arcade. Yeah, the YouTube channel. Right, and Tom Green worked with him on that, and then he was giving us guests because of his. What was that project that he was? He was school. I'm blanking on the name of it, right? School of Rock. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, with Billy Rock in in Indiana. Right, so he hooked us up with uh, Trip Cassidy and Reed Bentley, and maybe one other guest. I can't remember. We never interviewed um, Heidi Lovelace, did we? Uh, we never did. No, I'm looking at it now. I think he was on the short list of people, and we just for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, but it was that whole crew, but yeah, but, but anyway, that's where the DDP thing. Cause back then, I mean, this was an interview show. This is what we did. We would, we would remember we'd be, be panic stricken. We'd be like, we don't have a guest this week. What are we going to do? And we would do like just a news show like we do now. And then those would do better than the interviews. So we were like, what the fuck are we scrambling for guests for? I think what finally broke us, I'm not going to name the person, but you know who it is. I don't want to name the guy cause I don't want to embarrass him. But 
we had an interview guest who didn't know what Skype was. Um, didn't <laughs> yeah. want to give us his phone number. His his. How are we supposed to contact you? I don't want to give you my phone number. I don't know what Skype is. Well, how are we supposed to do this interview, buddy? Like, pain. We had to go through an agent, which is the fucking worst, right? Like, and he didn't. He he was skeptical of the given the phone number and all that. We're like, well, we can't. What do you want us to do? Send, <laughs> I don't know how do you want us to send you. carrier pigeons back and forth? <laughs> and it was so difficult, like with the scheduling. That I think you you did that one alone, and. He turned out to not be that bad of a guest. I, I remember you doing a pretty good interview with him, and um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say who it is because it's kind of like we're kind of burying him for being technology deficient. I guess would be the word, but I, it may have been his agent that was the pain in the ass, though. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And uh, we had Ricky Starks on before he really broke out. Um, yeah, so you know, I, you know, those old interviews, I, you know, I think they'd be. ACH a few times. Oh um, yeah, we had ACH yeah. two or three times. Yeah, so that was through Biss. You know all those interviews. So you know he helped us a, a ton, and we had him on a ton of times. Yeah, yeah. John um, Filipovich. I forget when he was doing uh, Barbed Wire City. I'm looking at the files now. Had oh my that. god, did we yeah. put his feet to the fire? I think he. I, we we were hard on him when he was doing because remember he had either a GoFundMe or a um, whatever he was doing. It was. Uh, yeah, Kickstarter GoFundMe. I forget which which one it was. Exactly. GoFundMe or Patreon or whatever he had because he was trying to get that barbed wire. Si- was a barbed wire city is name? Uh, barbed wire city. Yeah, yeah. And um, oh my God, Rich, we grilled him. Do you remember? We were like, no, I don't. Him. I don't remember us being mean to him. Were we, we mean were, or were we just grilling? We were mean. We were just. We it was a hard hitting interview. We were like, I I don't remember what how much money he was asking for, but you know, we were grilling him. We were like, so you're asking, I'm just throwing a number out there. I don't remember what the money was. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I was such an asshole. So we were like, let let us get this straight. You're asking for $20,000 for A, B, C, and D. And you were like, I have experience in video production. I'm not sure that's a nice man. I don't know why I was such an asshole. And then I was hammering him too. And I was like, yeah, you know, um, I'm I'm doing the math here, John. And it's not, I'm like, you're asking the public for money here. I, they, I, they, why why did we do that? There was no need to do that. We had to be hard hitting, right? So then, like, remember he emailed us after the interview because he was doing the media rounds. And um, I remember he emailed us after and he was like, you guys were the hardest interview I've done. But I thank you because you really made me give answers that nobody else gave. And I feel good about it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Because I remember that thing ending and thinking that he hated our fucking guts because it started to get a little uncomfortable. Because we were asking where the money's going and this and that, <laughs> and and we fucking hammered that poor guy, you know. And but the thing is, our very first interview, which was with Gabe Sapolsky, I can't believe he agreed to do it. <laughs> what a he doesn't agree to do interviews like and and we were no one. We had it was our very first. This interview. is July July nineteenth, two thousand twelve. By the way, with Gabe, right? Yeah, with and Gabe Sapolsky. Fucking hammered him. We were we were we were fucking putting the screws to him about about um. Jimmy Susumu, who was Susumu Yokozuka. It was before the fucking Jimmys. That's how long ago this was. And we were like, yeah, so uh, Susumu Yokozuka was pulled from the last Dragon Gate USA show. Uh, people are saying it's injury, but we suspect otherwise. And he's like, wow, you guys are really digging deep. He's like, this is... And he went right in the plug mode because he wanted to get the fuck off the phone because we were killing the guy. I, I, I don't know. We, we thought we were like fucking I, you know, Edward R. Murrow over here with these fucking interviews. <laughs> I guess. Because like, remember, we'd get on before we were, we'd call people and we'd be like, oh, we got to hammer on this. We got to get them on that. We wanted to do like these 
hard hitting sports radio style. We're like, we're not going to kiss anybody's ass. Well, we definitely succeeded at that, but we definitely fucking, well, I guess we didn't really annoy Gabe too much because it's kind of been love hate ever since. But um, yeah, we, we definitely um, were very hard on some of them early guests, but yeah, I think it's a good idea. We should probably put that velvet sky on. Yeah. We'll put, we'll put a few of these. I think we should start sprinkling these out uh, here and there. I mean, obviously they're going to be super out of date and what we talk about and what we sound like is going to be pretty garbage, but uh, yeah, it'll be pretty fun to uh, check that out. The velvet one for sure. I mean, now knowing that it's, it, we're coming up on the anniversary of it on the 6th of March, yeah. uh, I'm going to upload it and have it scheduled ready to go. The, the file Joe is 13 mags. That's all the file is. Oh my God. 17 <laughs> minutes. Torture. That's nothing. Ugh. I mean, geez, I can email that to you. It's so bad. 17 minutes. I and, want, I want. and the best part is like three minutes of that are Joe and I being like, yes, yeah, so uh, like Wikipedia, <laughs> all right, Velvet Sky, like, hey, uh, so remember when the knockouts uh, used to get good ratings? And like, the problem was, I remember too with that one, then we'll, then we'll move on to other stuff, is that like her answers, like you're saying, were very polite, but they were very much like she would answer the question, that was it. She'd be like, oh yeah, that was like really spectacular when we were like, you know, we get great ratings on the the knockouts. We show that the women can do it too. And it's yeah, like, oh yeah. God, I have yeah, no, no follow ups. Like, you got to give me some more, Velvet. You it, can't, it was basically you just a the question, and then stop. You can't do that. <laughs> yes, because then we don't have a follow up. It was a chair shot and blade job interview. Was what it was. It was I mean, good, that, it was yeah. fucking horrendous. It's like once I asked her where she trained, I had nothing <laughs> left. So where are you from? Yeah, the surest sign of a shitty wrestling interview is, uh, so uh, where'd you train? Who trained you? Because that's when the the host has no fucking clue where to go with it. It So bad. Yeah, but uh, we we will embarrass ourselves. We're coming up on, with the Patreon, might as well plug it real quick, coming up on a new billing cycle starting tomorrow. So if you jump in for March, we will get that Velvet Sky interview up and what we've also got some other things. Me and Rich were talking earlier today about some things. Don't want to say what they are until we decide for sure that we're doing them. But um, there's some other new ideas, um, sort of, that we've been kicking around that we're going to start up in March too, uh, for the subscription level. So, um, you know, it's be a good time to jump in, especially if you want to hear us embarrass ourselves. And then if that goes okay, I mean, I don't see any other reason we can't, you know, put up some of the other interviews too. Um, there's a few up for free on our YouTube page. I think the TJ Perkins interview and the Booker T interview. Right. Yeah. And the game, I think the game one is up there as well. So those, is it? it there's, there's two or three. I know Reed Bentley's up on YouTube as well. Um, but Booker T and TJ Perkins for sure. Maybe Gabe, maybe Reed Bentley. I don't know, but there's a couple on YouTube. Um, if people want to check it out, the TJ Perkins one, I recommend. I thought I was, really yeah, that one's spectacular. That, that one and probably holds he up. Gave us, he gave us almost two hours. Yeah, that one was it was cool too because he didn't have any one specific focus. He kind of was like, yeah, let's you know, we bounced between the, the beginning of his career, what was currently going on with him. So that one was pretty awesome. And and the the one that I always have, and the big accomplishment that that I think is that Booker T interview because he started out saying I got fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. uh, and then we sort of warned him over, warned him over, warned him over, and then you know I, his fifteen or twenty minutes were up or whatever. And I said, all right, we're we're good to go. And he's like, no, 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 let's keep going. I was like, okay, yeah. all right, sweet. And I'm looking now; it's forty five minutes long. When he told us fifteen twenty, and he needed to get out of there like right away. And then he was just like, no, 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 let's keep going. Let's keep going. I was like, all right, cool. Like, let's do that, this. That's then- the old trick. They tell you they got 10, 15 minutes in case you're a goofball. Mm-hmm. And then they can get out of there, you know? So that you're right. That was a vote of confidence for us. That really made us feel good because it was like, okay, this is a guy who is on WWE. Because he was the SmackDown general manager. I think it was the GM at that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the SmackDown general manager at the time. We had a WWE guest, which for us at that point in time 
was incredible. I mean, we really advanced pretty quickly. I mean, we had Gabe on first and then we had, you know, we were involved with TNA and their PR team. And then we were getting, we got a WWE guest and that was all like in the first couple of months we existed. So we were very lucky in that regard that we had some decent connections. And uh, like we said, we had all those indie guys who really hadn't broke yet. And in hindsight, those are good early career interviews, some of those guys. But yeah, that was a real vote of confidence for us to him to say, nah, we're good. We're good, guys. Let's keep going. He wanted to, he wanted to talk to us at that point, which I thought was, like you said, really fucking cool. So. All right, so that was the fun trip down memory lane. Thank you for subscribing to us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. So, Joe, let's get into some actual pro wrestling here. Uh, we put a poll up on Twitter asking people what uh, the lead topic uh, they wanted to hear, and they all said New Japan. So we're going to talk about the New Japan uh, Ring of Honor Honor Rising shows. We're going to preview New Japan's 46th anniversary show. But, Joe, before we do that, I know you want to tell our good friend, uh, tell all of our good listeners about our friends at Aura Organics. Of course I do, because whether you're a busy professional, a parent on the go, or just looking for high-quality supplements, Aura Organic has the cleanest and most delicious nutritional products available. And a lot of supermarkets now, Rich, when you walk down the aisle, and you can tell me if this is true, you'll see a lot of uh, you know, products. Well, you know, you're, you're, Mr., you're Mr. Grocery Stores. You see this stuff all the time. Absolutely. You see a lot of products and produce. You see these organic potato chips, the vegan ice cream, sustainable cleaning products, so this and that. But what about conscious nutritional supplements? That's where Aura Organics comes in. Aura does not include unnecessary ingredients in their products at all. All Aura products are organic, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, non-GMO. They got it all. Every single one of those. Gluten, dairy, soy, non-GMO. You got it all. And they contain nothing artificial. Now, we got the samples. We had the protein powder. We had it this morning. Yeah, the, 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 I believe it's the uh, was it the vanilla or the, the vanilla? Uh, yeah, I played I played uh, two games of basketball yesterday and woke up very sore. Had the uh, protein powder. I'm good. All good now. Good to go. You got, you got the pre workout, which is the uh, was that was it? Uh, I got pomegranate. I don't know if you pomegranate. got pomegranate as well. Yes, that's the one I got. I was going to say cranberry, but listen, we're way fancier than that. It's pomegranate flavored pre workout energy powder, uh, the turmeric pills, which we talked about last yes. week. I now I'm taking three a day because that is indeed what you're supposed to take as opposed to the one. And uh, Unlike Krach, I read the bottle. <laughs> Seems like a lot Still. of pills, so it makes a lot of sense. And now I'm, I'm at three a day now, so everything's going a lot better for me on, on, yeah. the, on the turmeric pills. So that protein powder has 20 different organic superfood ingredients and makes for a great post-workout snack or even a breakfast alternative. That's what I do. I'm a busy man, Krach, so sometimes I don't have time to sit there and eat eggs Benedict. You know what I'm saying? So I just bang out, you know, the protein powder and I'm good to go. Okay, I feel full and I know that I've got, you know, what I need to get through my day. The pre-workout makes a great pre-workout or energy booster first thing in the morning as well with 80 milligrams of caffeine and a jitter-free energy boost. Uh, at Aura Organic, they believe Mother Nature had it right. Nutrition can and should be, and it should come from plants. Try Aura Organic and get 15% off of your first order. That's 15% off of your first order using the code VOW. Now listen to this URL because it's a little tricky. It's www.aura.organic. www.aura.organic. Use the code VOW, 15% off. All right, let's get to Honor Rising here, Joe. Before we kind of break down the cards one by one, uh, what were your thoughts on the weekend? I, uh, I'll give my thoughts real quick before I get to you. I thought it was a very fun, very easy to watch shows the entire weekend. Things that I really loved from it when we kind of, before we sort of break down each match and talk about some of the main stuff, I thought from an aesthetic standpoint, it was awesome to see 
how Corkin looked. Corkin looked like a Ring of Honor show. It was like a little bit dim. The, the lights were a little more dim than they would normally would be. They put up the ROH, you know, the the, the old boards, the you know, metal boards on the barricades. Uh, the ring ropes were black. The pads were black. The ring, you know, in prior years, the Honor Rising was basically just the Ring of Honor guys in a New Japan Corkin ring. This one looked and felt like a Ring of Honor ring. So I thought that was really cool, and it was fun to see the guys mix it up in that ring as well. It just seemed it seemed like a whole different thing. Like you felt like when you were watching this, there was a different vibe to it altogether. Did you have the same thought when you were watching it? Yeah, I mean, Ring of Honor, like you said, Ring of Honor ring, the barricades. Unfortunately, there were no barricade slappers. No, they didn't. They don't know about the slapping. But you know, honestly, new new ROH fans don't know about it either. We, I was with, uh, we went to Global Wars uh, this this past year, obviously, and I was sitting with a few guys that I used to go to to Ring of Honor shows all the time. We'd always sit front row or whatever, and like things were happening, and fans were like cheering and doing. It. I'm like, and the fans in the front row, and I'm like, hit the fucking barricades you assholes like what are you doing like they just don't know though you know the modern new japan or the modern roh fans the new they don't know about the barricade slapping man and it's just like you you don't deserve that for front row unless your hand if you don't walk away from an roh show with your hand bleeding then you have not so you, really gone to an roh show so you have slapped the barricade oh absolutely we used to sit front row for god uh five or six straight years i was front row for almost every ring of honor show wow yeah, probably my um, hands numb all the time. <laughs> I have a lot of problems with my right hand. It's probably because I'm barricading it all the time. I'm barricade slapping. Shit, Sue Sinclair. They might just settle with you. Uh, you I'll, talk I'll talk to you. Most of it was during the Carrie era, but he. I feel like Carrie just kind of you know, get over a beer, he probably shoot you like twenty thousand dollars, right? Yeah, sue him. He's yeah. a ticket broker. <laughs> you know, he's into that sleazy business. He's probably got a nice bank account. You know, I've, sh- I've shaken his hand many a time too, so maybe I can blame it on him. Let me tell you something about Carrie Silken. Okay, this is a guy who, when you'd go to an ROH show and it was a fucking a great show, he'd be the he'd be he'd be the right there shaking everybody's hand on the way out. But if there was like a great match, he'd be strutting around with his fucking chest out, walking around the crowd, you know, puffing his collar. But if there was a terrible match or the show wasn't that good, <laughs> you couldn't find Carrie Silken with a search party. Okay. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. You guys peeling out of the driveway. Just yeah. Gone. You know, it, it, we would always observe that. Like there'd be some shitty fucking match. Some match just wouldn't land. Where the fuck is Carrie? Nobody knows. Brian Danielson has a fucking killer match with Austin Aries. Oh, there's Carrie Silken coming down here, <laughs> puffing out his fucking suit jacket, marching down like fucking Mr. McMahon. Yeah, of course. But, uh, but yeah, same thing with the handshakes. But you know he'd bring in you know he'd bring in Masawa for a show. Believe me, you weren't leaving there without shaking Carrie Silken's hand. Okay, oh, he would like demand it too. If you walked by him and didn't shake his hand, he would like move out of the way and be like, "Did you enjoy the show? Did you have fun?" You're like, "Yes, yeah. Carrie, I did. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Please let me go. I have to go." <laughs> right? Did you enjoy Kenta? Of course. But when Dragon Soldier B wins the American Super Junior Tournament, Carrie Silken's halfway back to Philly. Okay, you can't you can't find the guy. All right. But yeah, so uh, yeah, it did. It felt like a Ring of Honor show for sure, you know, with the, with the barricades and the ring. And the Corrigan fans I talked about last week, they love this shit. When Fantastica Mania comes or Ring of Honor comes, they want the CMLL experience that they watch on New Japan World on Friday nights. They want the Ring of Honor experience. These are these Corrigan fans are hardcore wrestling nerds. They are the equivalent of the people listening to this show in Japanese fandom. They're the hardcore fan. They know what's going on in other countries. They know what's going on in other promotions. And they want that. It's like American fans. We want the authentic New Japan experience when these New Japan shows come here, right? These fans want the authentic Lucha experience. They want the authentic Ring of Honor experience. And for this, to me, like you said, this is the best example. These felt 
like Ring of Honor shows in Cork and Hall. And they really were, they were, they were cool. They were an easy watch. They were fun. There was storyline advancement. And God damn it, Rich, if Beer City Bruiser did not prove us wrong, he was like the, 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 the standout of the fucking tour. Well, he was fine. The standout of the tour. You, you just can't, you can't take he the L. Fine. He was okay. Like, I would like the record to show. I'm going to throw roses at Beer City Bruiser for being kind of like listen, competent. JL. Joe Lanza is going to take the L like a man. Rich is refusing to take the L on this one. I saw, well, all weekend, people were like, oh, oh, you were wrong. Beer City Bruiser killed it. He was awesome. And I watched him. He was fine. He was competent. He's supposed to be competent. <laughs> We've reached a level where they ROH is one of the, the most featured guys in Ring of Honor. One of the guys that they brought over here and had him wrestle three times this weekend is Beer City fucking Bruiser. And he's competent. Two title matches. He had two title matches and another one. He had two singles matches when nobody else had singles matches. He had two singles matches, right. inserted himself into a world title match, and right. he was confident. So I'm supposed to throw fucking roses at him because the Beer City Bruiser didn't embarrass himself and fall over himself. A week, during there the were... He was fine. I'll admit it. He was good. He was okay. Whatever. But like, that's more of an indictment. That the Beer City Bruiser, really, if you look at it, of every money that Ring of Honor featured on this weekend, you know, sort of ignoring the Cody, because I, I kind of look at that universe as being more than New Japan, the Golden Lovers. Listen, Cody listen Cody's a New Japan guy. Right. I, you know, that he's, whole, he's, whatever was going on there had nothing to do with Ring of Honor whatsoever. Right. Zero to do with Ring of Honor. At the end of this weekend, the Ring of Honor guys that you're focused on is Beer City Bruiser. He was the yeah. man this weekend. And like, he was fine. He was okay. But I had I, I, so many tweets telling, oh, you're so wrong. He killed it. Oh, it was incredible. It was, awesome. it was fine. He was fine. He's supposed to be competent. Here's the thing. Did he outperform your expectations? He did. Okay. I'm glad you'll at least give him that. Because you, if, if that's me taking the L, I'll take that. I mean, he was fine. It was, it was, I thought I would be rolling my eyes when all of his matches were done, and I wasn't. Yeah. I actually enjoyed his, his output in the world title match. The Goto match was whatever, but the world title match, I enjoyed that a lot. And, and the thing with uh, Toa Hinari was kind of cool as well. So when it was all said and done, I went saying, hey, he wasn't a, a negative, and that's all you really kind of want. Out of the Beer City Brewery. There were there were two singles matches on this whole tour, and he was in both. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> now, look, if your greater point is Ring of Honor is lacking star power when Beer City Bruiser is in both of the singles matches on a tour, and is really the Ring of Honor wrestler who left the biggest impression, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. The entire tour. Um, and also garnered the most buzz. I think that's fair to say too, of all the Ring of Honor wrestlers. Um that's a valid point, but that aside, in a vacuum, I thought he outperformed expectations, um, at least for me, and I genuinely enjoyed everything that the guy did. So I, it, it's kind of similar to the Punishment Martinez conversation from a year ago. We buried that dude, too. And look, I think Punishment Martinez's match with Goto was better than Beer City Bruisers. I don't know where you stand on that, but um, but I think both of those guys... Turn me around a little on them, thanks to this tour. I mean, I don't view Beer City Bruiser as simply Silas Young's mascot anymore. I know that he can go in there and give me a match that I'm going to enjoy watching. Yeah, I think I came away the same way. I mean, he's a guy that I, I, I have been very negative on, and obviously, if you listen to last week's show, and you'll know. But I came away with it generally, you know, somewhat interested to see sort of what he does in the future, and somewhat interested in, in his character. And really, yeah, I mean, like when it was all said and done, I, again, like you know, I was sort of being facetious at the beginning when I was saying, you know, he, he wasn't bad. He was fine this entire weekend, and that's really all you want out of him. It's just not be a complete embarrassment. I don't think he was at all. I don't know that he was 
like you said, I, I absolutely think the Punisher Martinez matches last year were better, but he came away as a guy that I respect a lot more than I did before the weekend. And there's something to be said for that. I mean, that is really what you were trying to do here, but I do absolutely agree that it's probably an indictment on ring of honor when he is your most featured talent, the, you know, the entire weekend. I mean, obviously Dalton castle wins, you know, then retains his title or whatever. And Jay lethal sort of challenges him. So he had that fun you know, story going on night two, but when it was all said and done, if you didn't know anything about ring of honor and you just watched this weekend, you would assume the beer city bruiser is like the guy that they're putting the rocket ship on which is not great if that's the case. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of lucked out in the sense that, you know, Trent got injured at PWG, obviously. So they hid Trent in a six-man on the first night, and then they wanted to sort of um, take the load off him in the Dalton Castle match. So um, they stuck Beer City Bruiser in it. So he kind of was, he kind of almost saved a show. I mean, I don't know what, they would have done, um, but and and he and he worked really hard in that ring. Of and that match rocks. I mean, that was my favorite match of the entire weekend, almost. Or well, no, no. I mean, obviously, there, there's another match that looked a little better, but um, no. I mean, it's probably my second favorite match of the entire kill weekend. You. Yeah, that, I wouldn't kill you if that's your no. Opinion. It was really good, really, really good. I mean, 16 minutes flat and 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 really good action. One of the better. Th- I mean, I hate three ways. I hate well, you know, wrestling three ways. I'm you know, but uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I don't. Hey now, <laughs> I'm joking, guys. You think I could pull off a three way joke? Come on, are you kidding? Um, I I don't know your sexual. No, yeah, how yeah. am I supposed to know? I, you said it, takes, it takes a certain man to do that. Now, you know, I clearly I'm just, not that man. You so. just got to be a good director. <laughs> I, I'm not though. I can't. I'd be. You, you know. don't even have to be a good. You just need a good director in the room. Well, okay. You know what I mean, yeah. So if if one of the if one of the ladies, I'm assuming you you prefer the old MFF three way. I mean, uh, you're correct. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you can go MMF if you want, and just you know keep it the high fives with the dude if you don't want to. Mm-hmm go by curious with it, but I'm just saying, you know, no matter what your breakdown is and what kind of shenanigans you're up to, you just need a good director in the room. It doesn't have to be you rich. You can just be one of the players. You know what I mean? You could just be, listen, I'm Krejci. I'll do what I'm told. So I don't know. I, maybe you kill it in a three way. Who knows? But I digress. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll, one day we'll find out, but uh, I should say multi-man matches. So I hate multi-man matches, uh, but this one was pretty good. I mean, everybody sort of played their part. They, they interacted with each other pretty well. I enjoyed this. I mean, I, I usually will, you know, put multi-man tag matches and multi-man singles, man, whatever. I'll, I'll usually just downgrade those in, in general, but yeah, I really like this match a lot. I mean, yeah, like you're saying, you know, if you wanted to make the argument that it was your favorite match the entire weekend, I have one that I have above it, but it's number two. And like, yeah, like you're saying, if, if, if you came to me saying, Hey, Joe, you know, Rich, this is my favorite one of the entire weekend. I wouldn't begrudge you at all. I think that's a, a legit argument you can make. Yeah, no, I mean, look, this was an e- these were two easy to watch shows. I thought everything at minimum was pretty good, but I didn't quick. think anything. Were they, were they more quick than usual? That's something I noticed. Were they like two hours, two and a half hours? Somewhere yeah, on there. I remember like, them being over quickly. I was like, oh shit, okay, main event. All right, let's go. Like, yeah, they weren't super long shows. They were easy watches. They were yeah. definitely easy watches. But I didn't think any of the matches were great. Um, I don't have a notebook full of star ratings uh, after watching this, but that's not really me picking on it. Everything was pretty good. It was like it was like an entire tour of three star matches, which I'll take. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I didn't think the main events were, you know, great matches or going to pop up on any match of the year list or anything like that. Um, but they were also loaded with story elements. Of yeah, course, there were story matches stuff for sure. Like that. There were but, 100% but, story matches. I mean, the main event of the second night, 
um, which we'll talk about here in a sec. I mean, that was one that like I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I really was like captivated, but it wasn't a match that I can. It's one of those weird ones where like you're not going to run to your your spreadsheet or your notebook or whatever and write yeah. it down. It's just one of those ones. I'm going to remember that match for a while, but not because yeah. of anything that happened in the ring. It's just because it was so heavy on story and so heavy on nuance and stuff like that. But not one that I really at the end of the year, I'm going to remember. And go, oh, you have to watch this match. It worked in the moment right now as the story sort of building but like in three months and four months or whatever you're gonna go back to that match and it's not gonna have the same sort of connection that it had in the moment there where you're watching it for the story and watching it to see you know the continuation of the the destruction of the bullet club and golden lovers and all that sort of stuff so it's one of those weird ones where i loved and i enjoyed it and it was great but like there's no chance in hell it's gonna ever end up on the end of the year list because it was so much of an in the moment type of match so much of a a story driven match i think that sometimes we get too wrapped up in was it a great match? Did it go in my notebook? Was it four star? Mm-hmm. You know, there was not these matches were. You'll probably remember this match at the end of the year more than you'll remember a dozen four star matches from random shows that you watch that were you know on paper or or not on paper but were technically better matches. But it, it, sometimes we get a little too wrapped up in that. Because, like you said, you know the main event of the second night um, is a match that helped advance a storyline, had a cool post-match stuff, and was memorable for a lot of reasons. And it, it's not like it was a bad match; it was a good match, and it was uh, you know memorable, um, not because it blew the roof off of the building and it's going to finish sixth in the match of the year. And it, and sometimes I think we're a little too wrapped up in that when we're breaking down shows. So um, I totally see what you're saying. Do you want to go from the top and just quickly go through all of these matches? I think that's probably the best way to do it. I mean, we can get through a lot of these in like two minutes, you know, cause it, yeah, like, there's really a lot of story heavy or just kind of like one, one theme through the match. And then that was sort of the prevailing thing that everybody kind of worried about. And then that's about it. I mean, most of the matches had a point, had a central focus, and then they were in and out in, you know, five, ten minutes or whatever. So, yeah, it's hard. It's not like one we're going to have to break down a ton of nuance and a ton of moves and a ton of that sort of stuff. Yeah, so we had Bad Luck following and Yujiro defeating Kitamura and Toa Hanare in the opener in night one. I mean, this was just your standard New Japan opener where a young lion uh, takes the pinfall. So uh, just a basic, I don't know, two and a half star match or something like that. Um, I'm sure you don't have much, if anything, to add. No, that's that. You nailed it. Cheeseburger, Delirious, and Jushin Thunder Liger ahead of their title match the next night against Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Fale. Um, on the first night, though, Hikuleo uh, joined the um, joined his brothers. And in what was patently obvious to everyone, he was going to take the fall to then set up the title match the next night. And I suppose we can just knock both of those matches out. Why don't we just do that? Um, So Cheeseburger, Delirious, and Jushin Liger obviously win the first night um, over two-thirds of the champions to set up the title match the next night. And then as expected, Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa successfully defend the titles the next night against the same threesome. my thoughts on this are yes, Corkin loves cheeseburger and um, cheeseburger delirious and juice and thunder Liger were a fun team and that sort of thing. But look, there were a couple ring of honor talents on this show that it is just obvious that they're not new Japan caliber talent. And I, I mean, I don't want to pick on the guy, but cheeseburger is one of them. I mean, he's a hardworking guy. I get why people like him. I get why Ring of Honor, you know, employs him. I really don't have anything against him, but he's never going to be a great wrestler. 
And a lot of his flaws are sort of exposed when he's on a show like this. I, you know, I watch Ring of Honor TV and I, I watch his undercard matches and he's fine. And, but it really stands, but he's usually with other guys who might be a little inexperienced or, you know, other prelim wrestlers, you know? Um, but when you're in there with Juice and Liger and, 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 and Gorillas of Destiny and, and, and being Bad Luck Folly and people like this, and you're on a New Japan show where all of the other talent is so great, he kind of stood out. And I know that we put over Beer City Bruiser, but again, there were little things about his performances too when I was watching his matches. And I enjoyed his matches where I was like, you know what? He's not really New Japan caliber talent either. You know, it's just some guys are indie guys. And guys like Cheeseburger and Beer City Bruiser, while they they didn't – now look, they didn't embarrass themselves. And Cheeseburger gets a little more leeway because, you know, he's, he's gimmick and all that sort of thing. And, you know, Beer City Bruiser, his matches were good, but it was very clear that he was not on Hiroki Goto's level. I mean, if we're being completely honest. So that's kind of the point I wanted to make about Cheeseburger. I know that makes me a gigantic heel and people think I'm a, I'm a dickhead, but I mean, that's just how I saw it. So, um, you know, the matches, though, these two six man matches, they were they were fun. I they were no fun. Yeah. And that's, that's when it was all said and done. It was like, yeah, it wasn't great. It, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's fine. And it, it didn't get too long. It was seven minutes. You know, it was in and out pretty quick. And that's all you can kind of really ask for these. But no, I'm, I'm the same way. You can tell just just by the basic, you know, he just sticks out like a sore thumb amongst those guys. And that's even with Delirious and even with Liger and even with, uh, you know, Tonga and Loa. And, and, and Loa is a guy who remember when, you know, obviously for years we were ragging on that guy for how bad he was. And and like he just looks like an guy like light years above cheeseburger or whatever. It just shows the working standard of this company mm-hmm. where a guy like a cheeseburger who's competent who's fine but when he gets in there it's just like man you are on a different level right now you're in the ring with juice and thunder liger you know what i mean like but it, here's it's the just... thing with cheeseburger if he didn't weigh 130 pounds and he wasn't sort of the ring of honor mascot i don't think his work would be considered acceptable but it's okay for his gimmick it's okay for his persona to not be that great. Am I right. making sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, he, he he's kind of made a market out of that, of being kind of the goofy comedy guy that, you know, wears funny the hats. Hard working dude. He, yeah, exactly. And, and more power to him. I mean, he's found a niche because his niche was not going to be, you know, super worker. So, I mean, I, you know, more power to him. He's getting free trips to Japan a lot for, for being, you know, a skinny guy that wears funny hats and, and works hard. So, and he is likable. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, incredibly likable. Um, but you know, if you're if if you're like like James Ellsworth has found a niche to where he can get over, but James Ellsworth sucks. You know, he's not good. But he founds a little niche where he could excel and where it doesn't matter whether he's good or not, because part of his gimmick is that he's not good. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of interesting from that respect. And at the end of the day in pro wrestling, the idea is just to get over any way you can, right? So, you know, cheeseburger and James Ellsworth are never going to be main eventers, but you know, they've found a way to maximize whatever it is, whatever, you know, strengths that they do have right. and, and, and to get over. So there is something to be said for that, but I'm watching cheeseburger, like throw chops and just do little things like run the ropes and take bumps. And he's just not at the level of, you know, and then you watch, you know, Hiromu Takahashi a couple matches later and you're like, Oh Jesus Christ. This is like, these guys are participating <laughs> In completely right. different fucking events. Like, this isn't even the same fucking activity, you know? But, um, man, I don't know what it is. I just love ragging on Cheeseburger. And I, it, it always makes me feel bad. But, but look, these matches were fun enough. And, um, you know, they were what they were. So we had uh, Young Bucks 
against David Finley and Juice Robinson. How stupid are we that we didn't see what was going to occur after the main events of the second night when the Bucks were taken on? Now, we blew through this match in the preview like, ah, you know, it's David Finley's going to get pinned because he's the low man on the totem pole here. But this was still kind of a big deal. And we glossed right over it and, and pretty much didn't even notice. It was the junior team versus a heavyweight team. And, you know, this wasn't just a throwaway random tag match. This was to establish the Bucks defeating a heavyweight team, even though there was a lower ranked wrestler on the team, and then announcing themselves as heavyweights the second night. And I can't believe that we did not notice this when we were pre. These, this is usually the kind of stuff we pick up on. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's the inclusion of David Finley in there, and I don't quite think that I, I attribute him to a heavyweight right away because he's, he's a former best of the Super Junior uh, yeah. participant or whatever. And, and I feel like I think of Juice as a junior, even though he's not. I mean, obviously, I know Juice isn't, but for whatever reason, that combo sort of doesn't scream heavyweight tag team to me. So that's probably why I glossed over it a little bit. But yeah, that was a bad job by us. We should have definitely. Bad job out of us. We should have picked up on that. Because in the, I mean, minutes, the minute they come out to the ring, Kevin Kelly's like, wow, I've heard that the Young Bucks are thinking about going to heavyweight. And I'm like, oh, yeah. God mm-hmm. damn it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, and they keep talking about gaining weight and putting on muscle, yeah. and we just totally whiffed. You know, and and at minimum, we should have been like, isn't it interesting that they're facing a heavyweight team and they're probably going to win? You know, at minimum. I mean, I'm not saying we should have been able to correctly predict, you know, the, the night two angle, but I mean, we didn't even, we totally whiffed on that. Uh, we had Flip Gordon. I don't know, Rich kind of called it last week. I, 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 I smelled a rat here when he was booked with these two guys and then booked opposite Hiromu the next night. And one of the theories that I put out, and we'll just ignore that I had other theories. Let's just focus on the one. That yeah, of course. No, of course. Yeah, this is what we do on the show. No one's going to go back and r- listen to the tape, right? You know. No, and it is a verifiable fact that I said that he would beat Hiromu um, uh, in the three-way, and then Hiromu would get the win back the next night to sort of establish Flip Gordon as a guy who is at the New Japan Junior uh, is that the, uh, the, 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 you know, an accept, what am I trying to say here? Is a legitimate new Japan junior, right? Uh, it's on the so, same level as some of those guys. Yes. So that's exactly what they did. He, he not only won the match, he pinned Hiromu and then to protect Hiromu, you know, they had Hiromu knock him off in the tag match the next night, but you can't take away Gordon's victory the night before, which I, which to me, I don't know. I don't know anything. We haven't asked anybody. The fact he won this three-way and pinned Hiromu tells me that he's in best of the Super Juniors. I mean, there's no other reason to do this. There's got to be um, something. You can't just – this is not a win just because we had to throw somebody a bone. I mean, this is there's something there. There's There's got to be. I mean, this is a bit – he's pinned Kushida, who's, you know, a, however many time junior champion. And then Hiromu, who just, just got done being the champion, is obviously featured. I mean, to beat those two dudes, it's yeah. not like he just beat, you know, some random junior. Or whatever. It's not like he beat, you know, Liger in a match or whatever. He beat Hiromu and Kushida. That's a big yeah. deal. It's a, huge it is, it's a huge deal. And the crowd reacted that way too. When he got the three, there was that gasp, like, oh my God, what? Like, yeah. So there's got to be something to it. They don't just do that to do that. Never. No, he's coming back. They do that to do that. He's coming back. And the perfect spot is Super Juniors. Um, now, I don't think his performance was great. I think it was okay. Um, I, I don't know if there was some, you know, I, I always hate to blame nerves because I think that kind of stuff's overrated. I think. It always used to bother me watching. I know you don't watch MMA, but Joe Rogan, and I, I don't know if he still does it. He used to go on and on on UFC shows when guys were making their UFC debut. Octagon jitters. He's got octagon jitters, Mike. I never bought into that because then if you looked at the statistics, 
there was never any kind of great variance in the one loss record between guys who were making their UFC debuts. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just not, it's just shit people say. And I, I always yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. People will bring yeah. people bring it up in real sports all the time too about these guys. Yeah. Oh, how nervous they're like. Yes, you'd be nervous, but these are professional athletes, and like professional they, athletes, right? They, you know, the, the, one of the best images I've ever had in my life is is, is and I always attribute this one when somebody's like, oh, you know, he's got to be nervous, he's got to be uh, whatever. Is there was one? I think it was a World Series, maybe 2014, or I, I forget which which even number Giants year it was. But like Madison Bumgarner was working on like a complete game shutout to win the World Series and whatever game it was or whatever. And you know, Joe Buck and whoever is like, oh my god, the nerves to Madison Bumgarner. He's just got to be going nuts. And they cut to him in the dugout, and he's just like playing with gum in his yeah. mouth. And it's just like, he's no, he's a machine. He's, he's yeah. done so many things in his life that he's gotten to this point. The reason he's gotten to this point is because he probably doesn't get nervous. I get nervous. You get nervous. Your run of the mill athlete gets nervous. He's a fucking machine. And that's why he's not nervous. And that's why he's pitching in, you know, in game seven of the World Series and about to, you know, in, in three outs clinch the whole thing because he's a maniac. He's like people, pro athletes, to get to that level, you have to let go of the, the nerves, like you're saying, and, and let go of that. And high level athletes do let go of that because they've been in so many of those situations. Yeah. You know, Madison has closed out high school games. He's closed out little league games. He's closed out college. You know what I mean? Like he's closed out all these. It's like whatever. Yeah, I've closed out. I've I've already won two and World been, Series. And whatever. He's, like, yeah, he's been to the World <laughs> Series and been a major league pitcher. And it's like Rogan would use these this octagon jitters thing, and it would be with like guys who fought in pride in front of fifty thousand fans. Right, it's like, like they've done that. They know this. Wh- it's not the why are they going to be shaken up in MGM Grand in front of seventeen thousand? I mean, at the end of the day. You know, it, it, it's they're across the, the 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 cage from another man. And they're fighting, and they fought their whole life, you know. And it's like I'm not saying that's not possible for for high level athletes to succumb to nerves. What I'm saying is, I think we jump on that too quickly sometimes, and I think we use it way too much. Um, and you know, it's like I don't know if Flip Gordon was nervous. I don't know if Flip Gordon just was having an off night. I, well, look, he wasn't terrible. But there were a few little shaky moments here. And Hiromo and Kushida are world-class. I mean, when do you ever see these guys shit the bed? I mean, name me the last time Kushida shit the bed. Name me the last time either one of these guys blew a spot. I mean, you you really got to – so, I mean, you know, it's – you know, so, I mean, I think they're pushing flip here, setting them up for something. But this match didn't blow me away the way that I hoped that it would. Flip's kind of hit or miss, and I think that's that's the thing that I kind of come away with. Not not only from this, but I've seen him a few times, and I've seen him live a, a couple of times as well. He's a guy that when it's on and everything works really well, he's he's good. But it, it's a guy who, you know, if things go a little bit wrong or something's a little off, like he he really relies on like having everything be perfect in his match or whatever. And he's still a young guy, and he's still kind of going through the motions as, as you sort of get to you know better experience and and sort of understand how to work different places with different people or whatever. I think that's one of the issues right now is he's just kind of a really young worker, and and if things go a little bit awry or, or, or things aren't 100% perfect, you can kind of see them fall apart a little bit. And, and I, fall apart maybe a little strong, but just not, you know, not as crisp as, as you would like to see. But again, he's still pretty young, so uh, we'll see how it goes there. But uh, yeah, he's a guy who still needs a little bit of work, which is, is, is fine given, you know, his level. We had best friends in Jay White against Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal, and Rusuke Taguchi. Uh, as we kind of figured that they might do because we were looking for someone to take a fall in this match, if you recall. Um, they basically kept Beretta, you know, they could hide him in a six man with his, what, what does he have? A torn pec or a torn bicep? He's, no, he's got like a, a torn pec and a torn bicep or something. He's, he's really Jeez. fucking banged up. Yeah. I don't know what the, the hell's going on with him, but yeah, he's really hurt. And he, he announced that he's going to take some time off as well. So, so he was able to hide a bit 
And Chucky T, I mean, who worked with him at PWG and, you know, may or may not be responsible for his injury actually benefits because there's no question he got his New Japan Cup spot. I mean, you can just see that you know, there's no way that Chucky e. T was originally scheduled for that tournament and Beretta wasn't. So um, good for him. I mean, you know, it's a big break for Chucky e. T. Did you see, uh, did you see the tweet earlier from, uh, from Chucky e. T? Uh, I may have. What, what okay. You- the, the one, the secret to wrestling success. What, what's that? All right. So it's, it's obviously at sexy Chucky e. T on Twitter. By the way, if you don't follow him, he's like literally one of the best Twitter followers. He is. He is, is the best. Wrestling Twitter account. I should just get notifications every single time he tweets because every single time it's like great. Like I've and he's never been killing it for years. I know. I laugh almost every time. It's it's unbelievable. The, the Beretta's good too. Yeah, but, but Beretta's good too. But he's a little weirder. But no, Beretta's like you're not really quite sure if he's in on the joke or not. Yes. Like there's a lot of times where I don't think he is, and it's like you laugh at it, and then you're like, oh, I I don't know if he knows that that's like a joke or not, or if he's you know this is the man who you know uses a, a, a plastic bag in lieu of a wallet. So I mean that that could, could be a thing, but. Uh, Chuck Taylor says at sexy Chucky e. T secret to wrestling success. Do the same, uh, do the same bullshit for 16 years. And eventually everybody will get signed by WWF and other promotions. And they will have no choice, but to use you. Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially, you know, he's, he's like the last been his biggest year. Like this has been his huge year. He's gone to, you know, ROH. He's gone to new Japan and it's like, he hasn't done anything different. He's been great for years. It's just like, there's really nobody else. left. So it's like, all right, Chucky e. T, but I'm glad because he's great and he's needed these opportunities. But it's just always been funny how he'd always get passed over, always get passed over, and just never. But now it's like, ah, well, more of attrition. Like I'm the only one left, and now it's just, he's had this greatest like two year run of his career right now. And God, he's in the New Japan Cup for God's sakes. And it's a shame because he's getting a little older. Um, he's put on a little weight and he's banged up. I mean, I saw him tweet earlier in the week that you know he has no feeling in one of his arms now. But this is when he's having his most career success. So, but that's the life cycle of a wrestler, you know, it's a shame, but, um, but yeah, so this was their standard issue, six man match and nothing wrong with it. And, uh, you know, Beretta and Dalton Castle had their stare down as we thought that they would, even though neither one of them were involved. Well, no, Beretta didn't Beretta score the fall with the, uh, dude buster. Um, at any rate, I know Castle wasn't involved in the fall. That's the, that's the key thing here. So, um, then we had the never open weight match. We talked about Goto and beer city bruiser well exceeded my expectations. I'd go, I don't know, three and a half. I think that's fair for this one. Three and a quarter. Uh, yeah, three yeah, and a half, I'll, do, I'll probably do. I'll probably be at a three, but I, I could see three and a half for sure. I thought this was better than Goto evil from last, from, you know, the week before that's um, yes, absolutely. Which is shocking. I mean, <laughs> um, then uh, there could be reasons, you know, evil with the quote unquote orbital bone injury and all those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I, you know, if, if what odds could you have gotten before those two matches that the beer city bruiser match would universally be considered the better match over the evil match? I mean, you would have gotten astronomical odds on that. Um, but here we are. So I think we talked a lot about beer city bruiser already, but, um, and, and the thing is he got over with the crowd and I think that helped the match and it helped his two matches the next night. Fans were into this strange overweight beer chugging ugly american right i mean it felt like that to me um he really got over with people so look i you know this this may be the pinnacle of the man's career this the, these two shows and if so good for him yeah and he seemed to enjoy himself too and that's always it's yeah. always fun to see i mean when a guy you could tell it was like palpable how excited he was to be there so it's like you know hey <laughs> you know good for you i mean this is uh you know i i I don't know the man personally, but yeah, I, I hope he had a really good time. And and yeah, it seemed like it was something that he definitely uh, definitely enjoyed. And uh, yeah, like 
fine match again, like better than I expected, better than I think a lot of people expected. And that's yeah, more power to him. I mean, he, he went out there and he didn't completely shit the bed. And that's that's really all you can ask. If I'm like Will Ferreira or like Vinny Marseglia, what's that guy's name in the fucking Yeah, yeah, TKO Ryan, your little TKO Ryan. If I'm TKO Ryan or I'm Will Ferreira or I'm like Rhett Titus, I am Diesel is J I don't even know if JD. If I'm Jay Diesel, Joey Diego, Joey Diego, I'm sorry. I think he recently left the company, but if I'm one of those guys, okay, I am begging to wrestle Hiroki Goto. This man makes the the careers of Ring of Honor prelim wrestlers. It's it's two years in a row now. You know, it's it, it's something else. This is like the magic spot on this fucking tour. Hiroki Goto is going to lose the Never Title at some point this year, win it at Wrestle Kingdom, and you know he's he's going to wrestle you know Rhett Titus next year on this show, and we're gonna <laughs> and and Rhett Titus is going to have the the match of his life. I mean, that's just the way it goes. So we had Cody Hangman Page and Marty Skrull defeating the Golden Lovers. And I guess, uh, you know, their, their honorary teammate, Chase Owens, um, to set up the night two uh, tag match with Cody and Marty Skrull versus the Golden Lovers proper. Look, this was a fun six, man. I think as a pure match, I liked it better than the Golden Lovers versus Cody and Skrull match the night, a night later. I didn't think either one of them were, you know, matching your caliber, as we talked about earlier. But I thought this six, man, was a lot of fun. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, we all knew Chase Owens was going to take the fall. There was no surprise there. But bigger picture, I don't think anyone really cares about us breaking down the moves of these matches. Um, Marty Skrull, I love his role here. You know, he's so, like, reluctant. Like, he's he's Team Cody, obviously, but I don't feel like he's all in with Team... You know, there's things that oh, Cody no, like, He's obviously that- not. I mean, they did the thing where they tried to do, you know, the everybody got on their knees, and I forget what the, the setup for that is, the Terminator dropkick or the judge or whatever the hell it is. So Hangman and, and, and Cody get on their knees to, you know, sort of mimic and and and, and make fun of Kenny Omega and, and start doing his move or whatever, and, and Marty acts like he's going to do it and then stops, then kind of does it and then sort of does it. And it's just like, he's looking for every way to not do it. And he's kind of like, nah, man, like, let's just like, you know, we can wrestle him and beat him in a match, but I don't want to make fun of the guy. I don't want to humiliate him. I don't want to embarrass him or whatever. And it's awesome. Like he, he came out with brand new ring attire. He dyed his hair. He looked, so he looks sort of different as well. And that's what I said last week when I was previewing this, this entire week and this entire weekend, I was saying what I'm really fascinated to see Marty scroll and, and you're left at the end of the weekend, still not quite knowing what he is. Yes. He wrestled on Cody's side. Yes. He was, you know, beating up Coda and beating up Kenny, but he never felt comfortable. It always felt like he's in between. And and I think the attire change is kind of a, a, alluding to that a little bit as well. He doesn't look like the Bullet Club Marty, but he doesn't look like any other Marty. He's kind of this weird in-between, like, I, I don't know which side to pick quite yet guy who's maybe waiting to see which one gets the advantage and goes there or he's a guy that just breaks out on his own and sort of does his own thing. But I think it's it's been fascinating to see him. And this is why I enjoy this match maybe a little bit more than the, the, the night two as well because of that, because you had a little bit more of the Marty not quite sure what he was going to do. The second night, you had that a little bit as well, but this one I thought it was a little bit more obvious because you had Hangman Page who was obviously all in on Cody, all in yes. on Team Cody, and then Marty's just kind of like this reluctant third guy that like they need him to be all in, and he's not quite there yet, and it's kind of this weird tension coming from that. Yeah, Hangman Page is 100% Cody. Marty is like 50-50. He... Marty just he's caught in the middle. Marty still wants everybody to just get in the ring and hug. Like he's really he hoping that at the end of one of these matches, they're gonna say, ah, you know what? Let's buy guns be guys, let's hug in the ring or whatever. And it's not gonna happen, yeah. but he really wants it to happen. Yeah. And you know, Chase Owens, I think, is like firmly aligned with Omega. So maybe like 75%. I mean, the Tongans, we have no idea where they stand. 
um, you know, they, you know, they haven't really, they're just kind of doing their own thing with the never titles and all well, that kind of said like, Hey, like I've been in the bullet club longer than any of you assholes. Like this yeah. is my thing, like sort of separately, like you guys are all fighting for the bullet club, but like, what about me? Like I've been here since day one. You this assholes. is like, also so interesting. The, everyone wanted to remember wasn't that long ago. Everyone wanted to break up the bullet club. And now they're the most exciting thing in wrestling because there's so much nuance and there's so much going on and you got the bucks going heavyweight. You got a Bushi in the mix and Omega and, you know, and, and Chase Owens, who is the honorary Tongan, but he's also hanging out with Kenny all the time. And, and hangman is just firmly with Cody. And and like Marley, he's the day one guy. Nobody asks him on anything. Like, like and, and, fucking and, stable, you assholes. Like, and Yujiro probably doesn't know what's going on at all. Yeah, like, I just want to. I just want to bang women. I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like just call me when you need me. I don't really give a shit. So you know, somebody call Scott Demore and see what he thinks about his Bullet Club uh, <laughs> compatriots because I'm curious. But it's like, but Amber, know, what about Amber O'Neill? Amber, the Bullet Babe. Yeah, get get her on the horn. You know, uh, you know. So, uh, who was the, who was the lucha guy? Uh, it wasn't uh, Perita Morgan. It was uh, who was the uh, uh, Terrible, right? Terrible is a Bullet Club guy. Oh, Let's ask I didn't even remember going. that. I don't even so, remember that at all. There's another one too, La Comandante, the female luchadora. She's a <laughs> she was a Bullet Club member. So, get these are the ones you miss on the Sporkle quiz. When you take a Sporkle quiz in like ten years. Name all of the Bullet Club members. Those are the ones you're gonna oh, miss. Mephisto. Uh, Is I got Bullet Club is, too? Yeah, I got I got Mephisto, uh, Ray Bucanero. Oh, Ray Bucanero, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> to replay. Yeah. And then uh, what'd you say? La, uh, who was the other guy? La, La Comandante. Yeah, there he is. That's yeah, a female, on. Rich. It's a. Female. Oh, okay. All right, okay. And then you got Fra- oh Frankie Kazarian. Remember when he was in the Bullet Club for a week? Yeah, you got uh, that as a, he was in the Bullet Club as a ruse. Remember? Right. Yeah. But counting that, you'll definitely miss him on the. Sport. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I'm gonna miss Cody Hall as well. Like Cody Hall seems like you should. That's gonna be the guy. Like these other guys are gonna be like, ah, whatever. I was never gonna get Ray Bucanero or whatever. Cody Hall is gonna be one that you're gonna get wrong and be like, yeah, duh, he wasn't there. Forget. But how the fuck did I miss Cody Hall? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, what was I going to say here? So yeah, it, they're just the most interesting thing going in wrestling right now. And it, it's amazing the turnaround because everybody was so burnt out and bored of them, um, you know, not too long ago. And, and I guess we should just, we might as well, you know, uh, work in the main event of night two here instead of. I, I did want to one it. thing before on night one that I wanted to talk about. If you yeah. haven't watched night one, the pop that the golden lovers get when they come out. Again, we say like there's some noises that you don't quite hear in wrestling all that often. This was like people were losing their fucking minds. It was like Beatlemania out there. People just going nuts, jumping, screaming. Nobody could contain themselves. It wasn't a cheer. It wasn't a yeah. It was just like joy personified in the noise of pro wrestling. It, it's you had if you haven't watched it or if you don't remember it, or you 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 just kind of go back and watch their entrance. The music hits and it's just a noise that you just do not hear in pro wrestling anymore. That's yeah. all I'll say. It was great. No, no. It was so, yeah. it, it, I had goosebumps. It was just like they were just everybody was so fucking excited that these guys were a team. It was mm-hmm. just like we're just happy for you. We're happy to be here. We're happy this is happening. It, it, it felt like you don't get these. I mean, this is like your world class when the Von Erics are coming. It's one of those weird things where it's just like people are just touching them. People just want to touch these guys. You know what I mean? Like they come out to the ring and they're just glad handing for like 10 minutes because the fans just losing their shit. It's it was so incredible. So awesome. And it's like they teased that first tag for so long. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chase Owens stealing tags and just, <laughs> you know, it's like, and uh, and good for Chase Owens working a main event in Corkin Hall. You know, that's that's that should be noted as well. And then uh, night two, of course, we had the tag match. And the, and the one spot where Marty was very conflicted 
was where Cody wanted to kiss Abushi. Yes. And he wanted Marty to hold him up. And Marty, well, well, first Marty said, what the fuck are you doing? And the camera caught him saying it, which was, and then he like didn't want to hold him up. You know, he was very reluctant to, to help Cody, but he did. Um, and Kota, you know, uh, escaped Marty's grip, but then, you know, uh, Cody, I think kissed him anyway. And Kota went ape shit, right? But, oh, correct. Um, yeah. 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 So, uh, that was one of the key spots in the tag match on night two. And of course, golden lovers win that match. First time they teamed since what, what was it? Um, four or five years. Oh, something. Man, like you got to go way exactly. back. Yeah. You got to go way back to what about like a super junior. I don't even remember what it was. Was it, uh, I don't know if the last time they teamed was, was new Japan or DDT, but it was definitely four or five years ago. They made note of it in one of the videos, um, that I watched. I don't know if it was an official, I don't know if it was a, New Japan video or a show buckle video or even you a show buckle one from this uh, about the Golden Lovers. You know, I, I I watched it, but I didn't. It didn't have my full attention. But okay, when, when, when you get a chance, incredible. incredible. I mean that that guy. It's, it's at Show Buckle Vids uh, on Twitter. I can find him on YouTube too at Show Buckle. Incredible. I mean, he did an amazing job with that one. It, it's it's so good and so detailed, and it just tell. I mean, and we're gonna talk about WWE here in a little bit, and you know, do our rants about you know their storytelling or whatever. But when you and we know this, we talk about it all the time and, and, and how smart Kenny Omega is and how great New Japan is at rewarding you for these stories or whatever. But when you really see it in the, in the context of like an 18 minute video that breaks down all it is and like Showbuckle is obviously using a little bit of, uh, of his own knowledge and obviously he is aware of a lot of the stuff. So it, it, it helps out when he can sort of put two and two together. But a lot of the stuff is not like you really have to break it. Down. It's just subtle stuff that if you sort of pick up on and if you've watched over the last four or five years, you get it all. It's like it goes to the the stare, you know, between when it's AJ Styles and Kotobushi. We talked about it at length when it happened that that stare, you know, Kotobushi looks at Kenny, Kenny looks at him, and it's just that. And then you know, that's just enough for Kota to be a second too late on on, on the Phoenix Splash, and and you know, uh, Styles picks him up or whatever. And then you know, o- Omega using the Phoenix Splash a few years later to win the G One Climax, and people asking him in the press conference and him saying he doesn't want to talk about it, and just like these little things here and there. I mean, I'm mean, you know, obviously check out the video for all this, but it's stuff that rewards you so goddamn much. But it doesn't require you to have a master's degree or or really know a lot of the stuff. You remember some of these moments. They're just little nuggets that if you kind of pay attention to, you get this incredible story. And now it's paying off from from five six years later. And it's just incredible something. We talk about Omega all the time. I mean, this weekend, too, was another example of him. He had different... He, he dyed his hair like the old Golden Lovers days. Just these little things. Omega picks up on every little fucking thing in pro wrestling. It wouldn't Kenny be Omega. to come out with the black hair or the no, dye. That's right. He had to go back to the, the, the platinum blonde. He had to go back to the silver or whatever. That he had. It couldn't... Like, he's a dude that thinks everything. And that rewards you. When you... When you you know, sort of make up your own stories or try to decide what the narrative of Kenny Omega, you understand and there's sort of that buy-in that you know that he's thinking the same thing. So when everything, when you say, oh, that's weird that he did the Phoenix Splash, I wonder why he did that, there's probably a reason. He doesn't just do shit. Things just don't happen because Kenny Omega decides, ah, I'm going to do that. He's thinking everything five, six steps ahead of you. He's thinking big picture for every single thing. And like him coming out and not having the black hair and not having the extensions, it's just like it's fucking perfect. Like the dude just gets it. He just is such a smart wrestler. It's unbelievable. Kenny Omega, and I've said it before, he's a professional wrestling genius. He's a genius. And I and I mean that in the true definition of the term. Guy's a genius. So um gold, yeah, and show as for showbuckle, New Japan should hire him. Yes. To do their they, they, they should just hire that person to do their English language videos. 
because they're incredible. And it would, I believe it would help their business tremendously because it would explain these storylines and a lot of the nuance. Look, not everybody's going to go on YouTube or New Japan World and watch the translated promos to gather all of the nuance of these storylines. Yes, the hardcores are going to do that. Rich Krejci, Joe Lanza, and the people listening to this are going to do that. But they're not going to grow their we They already have our business. They can grow their business if they hire somebody like this to do these sorts of uh, hype videos and explain the storyline nuance because there's even stuff that we miss out on and we consume everything because there is always going to be that language barrier. Something like this can help people cross that. I mean, these, and and I, you know, we promote this guy, but not nearly enough people are aware of the work that's being done by, by this show buckle dude. Um, It really is incredible, but golden lovers win. The new jacked up bucks come out afterwards and announce that they're going heavyweight for good. All of a sudden, Rich. Jacked up. They've added like maybe five pounds. Well, you know, I was, you know. <laughs> yeah. the buck, though, I know. I like how Kenny, uh, Kevin Kelly's like, well, you can tell they've gotten bigger. <laughs> it's like, you know, like. Yeah. They like maybe ate like an extra meal or like had a protein. Sh- they're like maybe 210 pounds now, but they're bigger and better. It was a whatever, you know, that's fine. <laughs> the. The Bucks going heavyweight. All of a sudden, Rich, the New Japan tag scenes got some juice. Oh, I cannot I mean, wait. I cannot wait for them in the head. I was, you know, you, you know how you stand up and cheer and pace in your den or whatever. When the, when they said, we're going heavyweight, that's what I did, Joe. I was like, thank fucking God. This is the greatest day of my life of, of watching New Japan, that these guys are now going to mix it up in the heavyweight division and, and mix it up in the tag division. And this is something that was rumored months ago, rumored years ago, that they were going to start kind of doing They finally, and, and especially if it's got to be, if it's only the Bucks or whatever, that's fine. It just adds something new to the, 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 the heavyweight tag division, which has been a good year for them too because they've sort of mixed it up a little bit this year. But, man, I was standing and clapping. I was so happy. Things were already freshened up with, with, um, with evil and Sonata as the champions. Now you add the Bucks to the mix. Now you add the Golden Lovers to the mix. And you also have to remember, it also removes the Bucks from the junior scene. So it kind of opens things up there for new, you know, you don't have the Bucks coming to win the title for the eighth time. So it kind of helps both scenes. Rapongi 3K has a chance to really stretch their legs and become the true ace team of the division now. And they have a whole new different set of challengers to take on. Look, this is great for, this is great for both divisions. And all of a sudden now I sound like Tom Brenneman. That's like his go-to when he calls reds games, like it'll be six, nothing reds, bottom seven. And you know, someone will hit a three run Homer and then someone will hit a double and he'll go all of a sudden the Cardinals only trail by three with a man on second. Cause he's nervous. Of course, because he can't keep his rooting interest out of it. But all of a sudden, the New Japan tag scenes are freshened up and looking good. It, 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 you know, There's no reason not to be excited, but you have to be cautiously optimistic because Gato or Jado or whoever the fuck is booking these tag teams is just addicted to, to the menage a trois match. And I'm getting so tired of it and we're going to talk about it when we preview the, the anniversary show. It's just enough with the fucking three ways. So we'll see what happens there. You have anything to add to the golden lover stuff before we blow through the rest of the night too, and move on. Uh, no, I'd say just a match that you definitely want to check out just because there's so much of the story in there. And I think w- one thing I do want to mention, and, and, and by the way, Cody, if you're listening, this is a good time to sort of timestamp and remember 
Cody's been awesome too. I'm loving what Cody's doing right now. And I never thought I would say that. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of our our brand to hate, but I think he's he's nailed the character. He's getting genuine heat at Corkin. The Japanese fans despise him and hate him or whatever. The in-ring stuff is whatever. It's still gonna always be at a certain level, but I think he's he's so much nailing the character thing more than I ever expected him to do. So a credit to him. He is he's busting his ass and he's got it. He's understanding what's going on. He's understanding how to sort of take this reign and and understand what the character should be doing and how the character should be acting or whatever. So all the credit to him. I mean this is is a great the, the greatest run that he's ever been on is going on right now. And I, I'm really excited. It's the first time in, in ever that I've, I'm excited to see what the next step of the character and the next step of the Cody character is. And I've never been that way in my entire life. It's the first time he's done anything worthwhile in new Japan. And you're right. He is killing it. And, um, you know, this may be the best run of his career period. Um, but yeah, he's, he's in the middle of it all right now. And he's the perfect foil for Omega and Ibushi. So yeah, I, I agree with you there. That's an excellent point. So the rest of night two, we had Beer City Bruiser opened up against Toa Hanare. Uh, and again, this was one of two singles matches on the entire tour. And Beer City Bruiser was involved in both of them. This was short, wasn't much to it. And of course, the explanation for that was Beer City Bruiser had a far more important match to wrestle later on, which we did not know about at the time. Uh, we had David Finley... I'm sorry. Did you have anything to add to Beer City? Uh, not really. I think one of the fun parts was that uh, they started to wrestle for a little bit, and then Beer City Bruiser just shouted, I don't wrestle, I fight, or whatever. And Hanari <laughs> was just kind of like, okay, whatever, and then just screamed at him. And then they just bu- uh, bumped into each other a few times, and then it was over. But no, it was fine. And, and Hanari is Hanari's good. And I, I'm really liking Hanari, and I think this is going to be real fun to watch his journey the rest of the year. But uh, yeah, Hanari, Hanari is, is very good, and he is a, definitely a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, David Finley, Jay Lethal, and Juice Robinson defeated the Bullet Club B team of Chase Owens, Hiku Leo, and Yujiro. Eh, you know what? 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 What do people want us to say? It was a. It was a uh, undercard six man New Japan match. Jay Lethal. Yeah, I mean, you'd almost forget he was on this tour. I mean, I know they didn't put him in anything meaningful. I know he did a little bit of commentary on night two. But uh, man, this was a guy who used to be featured on these sorts of shows. Remember? And it's like. He's kind of just, he's getting like, you know how a fantastic mania, you get some of these veterans who just get booked on it every year out of respect because they know they're going to make some money. So they, it's like, I feel like Jay Lethal is like the ROH veteran who just gets booked on these shows out of respect. He really had no purpose here. Oh, no, he didn't. And and like in the, you know, he obviously had the title match and we'll talk about it here in a sec. You know, he did guest commentary for it on the English feed. I'm I'm not sure if you listen to the English or or the Japanese. And like, he was just kind of like sleepwalking through it. And he's just kind of getting everybody ready for the ring of honor, you know, pay-per-view and who he's going to fight for the title or whatever. But it was just like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Like, there's no need for you to be here whatsoever. But yeah, he seemed like such an afterthought this entire weekend. And, And even the comments Terry was just like, yeah, I really want to fight Dalton Castle for the title. It's just like, you know, robotic stuff. And it's like, yeah, man, like he, he's so good. And it's just this period of his career has just been the worst. It's just he's he's just go with the motions, Jay Lethal. And it's really disappointing because there's so much more there. But yeah, you just see nothing out of this. And yeah, like you said, this entire weekend was just like, oh, yeah, Jay Lethal. OK, cool. Like he came out. And I forgot that he was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jay Lethal. Yeah, I, I <laughs> forgot he was on the shows before yeah. we did that. Uh, Bushi and Hiromu beat Flip Gordon and Taguchi, and uh, we talked about this earlier. This was Hiromu getting his win back from the uh, from the night before. So um, the and we talked about the open weight six man title match already uh, with the Bullet Club side of Fale Tonga and uh, Tama Tonga and Tangaloa. 
uh, beating Cheeseburger Delirious and Liger. We had Hangman Page and the Bucks defeating Jay White, Yoshihashi, and Chucky e. T. Of course, that mismatch team, all of those <laughs> men are technically in the same unit. Yeah, they're stablemates. Come on. They're chaos. If, if Yoshihashi, who's chaos through and through, and he's the chaos low man, you've got Jay White, who doesn't give a fuck about chaos and is just using them for his own purposes. And you've got Chucky e. T, who's like, I don't. I don't even know if he realizes he's in chaos. So you, you've got these three guys who, you know, what the fuck did they discuss on the bus ride? And uh, this was to put Hangman Page over strong. So yeah, and and we forgot to mention too on the main event of uh, night one, Hangman Page got the got the win there. And so this entire weekend was really about Hangman Page, you know, which is cool. Like you can do this thing where because wins and losses in the in the context of the Golden Lovers, Cody, Marty, all that's they don't matter. Wins and losses do not matter. This is a grudge. You know what I mean? This is, means so much more than who gets, who scores the pinfall or who scores the win or whatever. So these were great opportunities to have Hangman Page go in there and get wins that would sort of put him on a pedestal and put him on a different level to challenge Jay White for that title, or whatever. So I thought that was a really cool thing that they realized that that wins and losses really don't matter that much for the Glovers and and don't matter that much for Cody, but for Hangman Page, a few wins and you know big high profile wins with big guys you know in the ring or whatever do mean a lot. And they were both really big moments for Hangman Page to really get those yeah, wins. He- and seem like he was on a bigger level than he is. Because, like, Hangman Page is not usually on a big level. I mean, Hangman Page is a guy that we sort of laugh at. And we go, oh, geez, what's he even doing? And they need to sort of move him up a few rungs to get him ready for this title match. And they did. In one weekend, you kind of feel like, hey, look, Hangman Page can, you know, deserves this title match now. In, in a lot of ways where before that you really wouldn't. So I thought it was a great job that weekend to subtly sort of put him over into. I, I guess maybe not subtly, but but very obviously put no, very, him over very for those two. Yeah. Hey, Pin Jay White here. So, and I was surprised by that. Um, I probably shouldn't have been, but I was expecting Yoshihashi to lose. And um, that's a big deal that he pinned Jay White to set up that match. And I guess we should mention it's it's um, for, for Long Beach. That's one of the matches. It's Paige challenging White for the U.S. title. Um, and of course, with the aftermath of uh, with the Bucks announcing they were going heavyweight, it's going to be Bucks versus Golden Lovers in Long Beach. And of course, the match that we knew about already, which was uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. against Juice and Thunder Liger. I think those, are, as of this recording, those are the three matches that are locked in for Long Beach. So that's pretty strong so far. You know, that's without Okada knowing what Okada's doing, or NATO, or if Jericho's going to be there. So um, that's looking very strong. ROH, and and actually, you know, we should talk about this. Let's, you know, the. We got one more match to go, and then I want to briefly talk about Long Beach. Um, the three-way, of course, Dalton Castle. We talked about Beer City Bruiser being inserted. Beretta, for a guy that was injured, he took some fucking bumps and was flying around a bit. I mean, it didn't really – it's not like he did like – you know, took a bump early in the match and just stayed out of the no, way. No, no, God. He was doing the – there was one movie he did. I forget what it was. It was either like a somersault or something. But I think Beer City Bruiser was like sitting on a chair, and he's like, what are you doing, man? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you could see him grimace or whatever. And you could see him, you know, pull at his, and he had like a thousand pounds of tape around his body. It's like, dude, just yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Wrestlers are I mean, just idiots, man. They're the biggest idiots in the world, but uh, we love them. So, and the Bruiser, you know, Beer City Bruiser worked hard, and Dalton Castle defended his title, and he had some boys with him. What were they young? Were they New Japan young boys? I didn't really notice. Yeah, I, th- I think one of them was Ren Narita, and I don't know who the other one was, but they were definitely just like pale <laughs> New Japan young yeah. lions that's uh, yeah. not as. Uh, 
Not as as good as when the when the, the normal boys with Brandon and Brent, right? Isn't that the two? Or yeah, what, the Tate the Tate twins. Yeah, yeah when when they they pulled off a little bit better. These guys were not prepared to be shirtless boys, and obviously <laughs> got told the last minute that you had to be the shirtless boys because, like, you know, Brandon and Brent are you know nice tanned individuals, you know, nice skin color, you know, good abs, you know, good looking body. And this was just like Renderita. I I think it was I don't know if it actually was Renderita, but it was definitely just like two skinny pale you know Japanese young boys, and it just did not look uh, did not look as appealing as it as it does when the uh the, the the brandon and brent are out there but that's all right so those are the honor rising shows now for for what we know about long beach um you know i still think i i think i was too hard on new japan for you know not announcing Rey mysterio until after the show was already sold out because there's things that um you know there there's new japan world subscriptions to consider right I mean, will this access get, TV know, live viewing stuff like that? Access yeah. TV, yes, a, a, a television partner to consider, and and you know, I, I hear people saying, you know, why do Golden Lovers Bucks on this show? That's such a huge match, and it's already sold out. But again, you know, this could draw new subscriptions. This could keep people around who subscribe for Wrestle Kingdom and then go away until G One or go away until wrestle kingdom comes around again. Maybe they stick around for this. And, um, you know, obviously it's like, cause we, we, we talk all the time about, for example, the new Japan world numbers came out and there was an 80% bump in the United States for wrestle kingdom this year and a 60% bump overall outside of Japan. And obviously you have to attribute that to Chris Jericho and the Chris Jericho uh, Alpha versus Omega match with Omega with uh, Kenny Omega, and we talk a lot about New Japan World numbers outside of Japan, but really the more important ones are the ones in Japan. And you know, the only way for the Japanese fans to watch the Long Beach show is on New Japan World. So, you know, to put a Rey Mysterio Jr. on there against Jushin Thunder Liger, to put the Golden Lovers versus the Bucks. I mean, shit, I would think, you know, forget about the tickets sold in Long Beach and forget about the West. To me, those are matches that can sell New Japan World subscriptions in Japan. And I think sometimes we forget about that. Right. They're serving a lot of masters with this entire tour. There's obviously the live, you know, people traveling, people coming in or whatever. Then there's, like you said, there, there's there's the people, American fans that are going to watch an Access TV. And then we're always forgetting again about the Japanese fans that might be interested in watching this. And like you said, the only way they can watch it is in Japan World. So they're serving a lot of different masters here. So and we kind of forget that and we sort of only look at one thing. Oh, the, the tickets or the draw or whatever. And it's, it, there's a lot of masters being served with these Long Beach shows and they're doing a great job of, and we're seeing from every one of these match announcements, every single match seems to be serving one of those three different parties or whatever to, for a confluence of all this stuff coming together all at once, which is really, you know, maybe we did, we're, we're kind of guilty of not being as, you know, maybe in tune with that as well. When the matches sort of being announced, we're like, ah, well, you know, and now it's sort of making a little bit of sense when you break it down. There's a lot of matches that are for specific groups of people to get them attracted to the show and get them watching. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, just what we have now, golden lovers versus the bucks and the Mysterio Liger match. And you can throw in hangman page versus Jay white. I think there's no question. They should have run a bigger building. I don't think you'll find anyone to disagree with that at this point. I think that Young Bucks Golden Lovers match alone, you know, could have sold, could have, you know, they should have run a 10,000 seat building. I mean, they just should have. Um, and we'll see how All In does. 
and if that supports that theory, and it looks like you're going to get that in Chicago, huh? So is that is that then uh, as they have they kind of alluded to that a little bit more? That's no? the strongest speculation is that it looks like it's going to be Chicago. Yeah, that so, seems like the best spot for it too. I mean, they're essentially located near the crossing T's, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I would hope that they would. So come you're going to have to go. I mean, you oh, got hundred percent. No, don't worry, I'm, I'm there. You got to get in that building. You know, that might be my trip to uh, Casa Creech. Oh, there it is. Um, we got yeah, the room for you. Yeah, I'll do it for all in already. But um, since you refuse to come, don't to stay at my house. Don't stay at my house. Get, you, know, somewhere else. you you refuse to come to Mania weekend, so I got to come to you. Oh, I'm trying, man. But uh, New York next year? I think so. Yeah, I've already kind of put that down. I've, I've told the misses. I think I think New York's going to happen next year. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go from now on. I, I think you know, there's obviously years and cities that I've skipped. I've been to a bunch of them though. I mean, I've, but, but all ones that I can like drive to, you know, I've been to Houston in 2009. I've been to Dallas in, you know, a couple of years well, ago. And that's, the issue. To- that's why I want them to fucking come to like Minnesota or something like they, they mentioned in Minneapolis. That'd be great if I could just drive to it. Cause it's such a pain in the ass to try to fly or whatever. And I might just drive to New York if, if, if that's the case. Cause I, I just, I, you know me, I hate flying. <laughs> if I can yeah. avoid flying, I, I will, but yeah, it's, it's one of those ones, but New York is, I've never actually been to New York. So it's like, ah, you know what? It might be an opportunity to, to finally go. Yeah, and this is the second New Orleans one I'll go to. So I've been to four or five of them, but always when I can, you know, when I don't have to get on a plane. But I think from now on, I'm just going to go. Fuck it. I mean, why not? Um, but but what I'm was really, I going to say? I'm really upset this weekend that we're not going. Every time the new match comes out, I'm like, oh, man, come on. There's so yeah. many. This is such a great one, man. Oh, the weekend looks so I can't awesome. wait to talk about. <sighs> I can't wait in a couple of weeks to lay out my path to greatness because – I mean, a lot of years I do the path to greatness. I'm not going. Like when it's in San Francisco or wherever it was, Levi Stadium, I wasn't even going. Um, but this year I'm actually going. So my path to greatness is where I'm, are the shows I'm really going to be at. So if that fucking creepy weirdo on Twitter wants to come piss on my feet like he threatened to do, <laughs> he'll know exactly. He'll know exactly what show I'm at on so. stage, Joe. When we're doing our giant stage show, which we'll announce the tickets for pretty soon here, the uh, the the whole theater we're renting out to do our uh, live podcast at. Yeah, some low-life Southern wrestling contingent fucking loser, you know, was saying that for some reason, I don't know, he was saying if me and Rich did a live show at WrestleMania weekend, which Rich, I don't know about you, I if someone's paying me to do a live show at WrestleMania weekend, I have not gotten the contract or the invitation. No, 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 it's coming. We're all, we're finalizing the deal, but yeah, we'll be, uh, name your, name, insert uh, large theater in New Orleans. We will be there, Joe. So anyway, this piece of white trash, uh, you know, went on Twitter and said that, you know, he was going to come on the stage and piss on our feet. So, um, you know, but he'll know exactly where I am. If he wants to find me in New Orleans, I'm going to lay out my path to greatness in a couple of weeks. And I look forward to his urinating. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess this guy wants to pee on me. Like you said, bad. you're not a king shamer. So, you'll, you know, if that's your I thing, that's your thing, man. Yeah. Listen, if this Lane fella, I think that's his name. If, Lane, if he's, yeah, man. If he's Lane, on to Lane is the name indeed is is yeah. yeah I mean <laughs> if he's into peeing on people I'm not judging him you know some people like uh, the water sports so to speak so who am I to judge you know I like some things which you know who knows you might if you want to dig deep on TLB when we do that lands on filtered you might find out but uh, I'm not going to kink shame the dude but you know pretty pretty classless white trashy thing to say but but the point is I'm going to lay out the path to greatness and. Uh, I'm excited about it because, like you're saying, there's a new great match announced every time, and I've got some exciting twists and turns. Rich, you're going to be surprised with some of the shows uh, that that that, uh, that Lanza has got picked out for the WrestleMania weekend. But, yeah, I can't uh, wait. It looks like an amazing weekend. I'm I'm really really upset that I'm going to be doing. I mean, I guess I'll be in LA and enjoying you know 
not Chicago and indoor and, you know, California, but yeah. Pretty yeah but I mean, they, they, but getting back to our point here, I mean, they should have booked a bigger building for, for Long Beach. There's no question they could have filled it. And uh, they're leaving tons of money on the table. But it's like you said, though, they're serving a lot of masters here. Axis matters, New Japan world matters, all those things matter. And this is a great card, shaping up to be a great card already. And we have no idea what Tanahashi or Okada or, or, or uh, Naito. Naito. <laughs> yeah, right. All of these <laughs> tremendous stars, and they're all going to be there. And we have no clue. Ishii, we don't know what any of these guys are, are doing yet on that show. And then I guess um, we don't have it on the notes, but um, the New Japan Cup brackets were announced. Um, not sure when that kicks off, but we are going to preview the anniversary show. That is on the 6th of March, I want to say. The anniversary yeah, show. Yeah, I, I don't know the date in front of you. Yeah, it's one, it's one, it's it's next week, early next week. So, uh, and by the way, the New Japan Cup starts March 9th. Do you, do you want to go over the uh, the, the cards for that or the, uh, the first uh, round real quick? We can do that. Well, let's see if it's the 9th. We, we got time next week. We can do it next week. Let's do New Japan Cup next week. Okay, let's Give do a little more time. anniversary show right now. So, this is the revamped card for the anniversary show. This is always a sneaky good show because it's not one of the major shows. I wouldn't even call it a B level. This is kind of almost like a C level major it's show. It's the sixth, by the way. Sorry, I didn't get that earlier. It's the sixth is, is the anniversary show. Okay. So I think it's next Tuesday or Wednesday night or something. So uh, definitely before the next flagship. So we'll preview it here. We'll review it next week. So we've got Taguchi, Kushida, Tiger Mask, Kachushin, Thunder Liger, and Tenzan. There's a 10 man tag, obviously, against Ren Narita, uh, Tetsuhiro Yagi, Shota Aminu, Tomoyuki Oka, and their dad, Yuji Nagata. So uh, the young boys teaming up with Yuji Nagata against a five-man team of New Japan veterans. Not much to say about this one. Uh, no one's going to really get enough ring time to even shine here. So it is what it is. Uh, I, I, Rich, I'm going to assume you have nothing to add, so I'm going to move on. No, I got nothing on that one. Just uh, one thing I will say is, is in it, I guess I'm a little disappointed by this. Uh, is it doesn't seem to be a lot of history in this one. And that's always kind of one of my disappointments with these anniversary shows. Is they don't really seem to do a whole lot with their history. They don't bring old guys back or whatever. It just kind of feels like another New Japan card or whatever, which I guess uh, yeah. for whatever reason, I kind of work myself into a shoot thinking it's going to be anything different when it's not. But it's always like, you know, one of these days you just kind of want one of those old guy tag matches or so. You know what I mean? Just throw some old guys in it. But the problem it's is, a lot of them, the oh, right. That's what I mean. Like I would just kill for a few guys that you just don't see all the time, just in a random tag match or whatever. Just, yeah. just throw me that little bone just to kind of say, Hey, this guy used to be here and this guy used to do that or whatever. But this is all you get is you get, you know, the young lions with Nagata and then a bunch of the old guys on, on one side. And that's really it. And that kind of, I don't know. I'm always a little annoyed by that, even though I'm kind of like, again, working myself into a shoot because they haven't done that ever. So why do I expect it? But I, I just always want it one of these years. You know, we're starting to build a little bit of tradition on these shows. We'll get to that in the main event. But first, we got the Kitamura Best of Seven Trial Series. This is uh, Nakanishi. This will probably be the worst of the Kitamura Trial Series matches. But at the same time, Nakanishi kind of is built in the same mode as Kitamura. Who knows? And Nakanishi always has one match a year where he fucking Yeah, he, you know, he'll get to the top rope and do like a missile drop kick or some shit. So it'll be yeah. fun. And it's the seventh match too. So it's one that I, you know, I'm I'm still holding out hope that Kitamura gets that one win. The final one. And this is it. If it is, we'll see. I'd be stunned. No, no, I know. At this anniversary show, there's no way in hell that he's doing it. But but uh, yeah. yeah, and then and then we'll see what they do with him. So uh, we'll see if he's heading off to LA or somewhere else. I uh, really doubt he's going to Mexico. But uh, I guess you never you never can tell. Uh, Toa Hanare, David Finley, Juice Robinson take on a chaos team. 
of Turoyano, Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto. Now, as of the time we recorded last week, we didn't know what they were doing in terms of um, uh, how they were breaking up those tags. This is one of the revamped matches for the show. So this is just a standard issue six-man where Toa Hanare will take a fall. So nothing to get too excited about here. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight title three-way. I already buried the booking on this. I'm going to lay low this week, but everybody knows I'm annoyed about this. Rapongi 3K defending against uh, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Uh, that really should be the match. They have managed to shoehorn Takahashi, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi into things and make it a three-way. I said my piece, Rich. I'm annoyed by it. At this point, I'm just hoping for a good match. Yeah, and I think it, it has a chance to be a pretty good match. But yeah, it's it's kind of annoying. There's there's no reason whatsoever. And it'd be a, we all know this, and it happens every single time. And it's it's funny to always see on Twitter too when there's just a two two versus two junior heavyweight match. Every single tweet and every single thing is like, oh my god, it's so great when these guys are just two on two, and they're always good and they always over deliver because you're so used to the multi mans. There's just too many moving parts in a multi man. It's too many guys trying to get stuff done in a short amount of time or whatever. These matches need to be two on two from here on out. They just suck when they're these multi mans. So that's that's the only bad part about it is is it might be good, but you know that it'd be better with any combination otherwise. If it's just two on two, you just eliminate the third team and any other combo, you know it's gonna be better. So that always sort of takes it away from me. And you're burning through matches and stories. Let Rapongi 3K get through the Suzuki Gun team and then deal with Hiromo and Bushi. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, why are we burning through everything so quickly? I just, I just hate it. Uh, Yoshihashi versus Sonata. I am jacked up for this, and I'm going to tell you why. I think this was also due to the fallout of the evil, quote-unquote, orbital bone injury, uh, where this broke off into a single, and the other guys ended up in the six-man. These two dudes had a fucking killer feud going either last year or the year before. I can't remember. may have been 2016. And we really didn't get any resolution on it. Do you remember this? And they had sort of those hot tag matches. Yes. Yoshihashi was teaming with Ishii, and Sonata was teaming with... And and these guys have really good chemistry. To me, this is the sleeper match on the show. Wow, the sleeper. Okay. I guess, well, hmm. Yeah, when you say a sleeper, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other ones that are really, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess you could make a case for that. I mean, I, I don't think like, I think the Okada Osprey is probably going to be better, but I don't know no, if that necessarily well, counts as a sleeper. Be, but you know what better. I mean? Like, like you're saying one that people are just sort of not giving a lot of credit to or not really no looking one's at. Talking about right, or thinking just about glossing over it. Yeah, Yoshiashi Sonata. Okay, whatever. Moving on to the next match or whatever. So there, there's something to be said for that. And and a lot of people are going to disagree with you and say Naito Taichi based off you know what they've done earlier this year. But I think it's a pretty good case to make that, that uh, Yoshiashi and Sonata. The chemistry of those two dudes is 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 really something to behold. If you don't remember it, you, do. you're going to know it's because it's just like you know Yoshiashi is a guy who just kind of you know has a baseline against. But for whatever reason, him and Sonata both are like you know guys with that seem like they just kind of lull through some matches, but for whatever reason, those two get, guys get in the ring and, and they kill it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. And you're right. In, in terms of a sleeper, this could be one because nobody is really putting it over. No one's really talking about it as, as a match that could be really good. So we got Naito and Taichi. You know, this show has four straight singles matches to close it out after a t- title match. This is, I'm, I'm telling you, these anniversary shows, they're, they're better than they get credit for. And this one, I, I, I love the lineup here. So we got Naito versus Taichi. Taichi, now a heavyweight. He is in the New Japan Cup. So we've got Young Bucks moving to heavyweight. We got Taichi moving to heavyweight. Freshes things up a bit, right? I have no problem with guys moving around in divisions and things like that. Did you see the match they had at the Taichi Taka Produce Show? You know, I never did, and I feel bad that I didn't. Um, have you ever seen it? Because I know a lot of people are putting it over pretty high, and I, I've yet to see it. So I go about three and a half on it. 
uh, good match, not a great match. Um, you know, it, 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 it held my attention. It was interesting. And then, of course, that was before Taichi attacked Naito. Uh, they had that match, then Taichi attacked Naito. And now they're having another singles match here in New Japan proper. And it's sort of Taichi's official introduction into the heavyweight division. So um, looking forward to that. Suzuki Gun, of course, has a billion juniors. So, you know, it kind of makes sense to move Taichi up. You know, and he certainly has the size. Um, he's kind of like like Taguchi, one of these New Japan juniors who, I mean, come on, if there was any kind of weight limit, they're clearly over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Oh, just- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Taichi. I know there's this like groundswell of people that are like, oh, Taichi's the greatest and he's awesome and like sort of this semi-ironic, but I guess if people really generally like him, whatever, it's fine. I'm not a huge fan of him. I think he's kind of the shits and, and a lot of times I see him and I, I think he's kind of shitty and whatever but I, more than not anything I'm just happy to see him in something new and something different so I'm excited yeah. for it I'm willing to give him the opportunity I'm willing to give him the chance but uh, I know a lot of people are like all in on you know Taichi and think he's great and he's the greatest thing ever and it's like I, I don't know I I, I never get it you know and it's like I, I feel like people just way overrated to sort of half be ironic but now he's become like the greatest wrestler in the history of New Japan it's like okay he's, he's fine like he's okay he had a really good year last year and with some New Japan stuff, with some All Japan stuff, we, with Aoyagi. Um, and he had been, he's had years where he's been horrendous. And last year he was pretty good. And he has a, I love his entrance. I think it's a superstar entrance. Um, yeah, so, I, think, I think the, the, the sing along thing looks like shit all the time. So I found see, it funny I'm, the first piece. But I'm, he doesn't move I'm, his, I'm, like, he doesn't move his mouth. It's just like, it looks stupid as shit. He doesn't look I like think that's kind of the idea. Like, he's just, his I know, but it looks like lame as fuck. So I guess if that's the goal yeah. is to make him look as lame as fuck, then I guess it, it, it works in that way. But see, I just say, see, I think he comes off like a superstar at the entrance. The problem I have with Taiichi is the mid match formula of the hammer and the distracted ref. Uh, he's got to change it up some. Um, I've seen him have really good bell-to-bell matches. I know he's capable of it, but is he going to continue to just rely on the same lazy match formula that he always does? And now as a heavyweight single, he won't have Taka or whoever else to carry him you know, as part of a tag team to carry the work end of the matches. So we'll see how he does heavyweight. Look, I'm not saying he's any kind of a lock, I think I'm higher. I think I'm higher on Taichi than you are, but oh, not yeah. nearly I'm as, sure you are. <laughs> but not, I don't. I think he's kind of shitty. So yeah, but not nearly as high as some of you know because there is sort of this thing going around, and I think that's because he had a good year last year. But um, but yeah, the Naito match on the 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 produce show was. I'll unfortunately never forgive him for the best of the Super Juniors, which was. <laughs> <laughs> just that, or the super J Cup, the super J Cup, which is just fucking yeah. horrible. Yeah, horrendous. So it was really bad. Yeah. So we've got Minoru Suzuki defending the Intercontinental title against Togi Makabe. We've talked about this several weeks in a row. Um, look, you know, anything over three stars is going to be a bonus here. I think. Um, I have no problem with Makabe getting a title shot. I have no problem with Makabe being put in a semi-main event position here because I haven't done anything with Makabe in a while and. I'm not a Makabe fan by any means, but I have nothing against the guy either. And I, I do think he does bring some value to the table. So I don't have a problem with this match. Do I want to see three of them? No. Can I live with it once on this show? Yes. That's all I really have to say about it. I'm just hoping it's good. Suzuki's been good this year. So maybe he gets something out of Makabe. 
yeah, and uh, you know, you'd like to think that Makabe puts full effort given, you know, <laughs> that it's this moment, but it's uh it's so Makabe. I'm willing to give it a chance. Semi main event, Suzuki's been great this year. Makabe, you know, I guess if all things go well, can can have a solid match. So so I I'm I'm looking forward to it in, in some ways, just to see what they do and and hoping that they deliver. But uh I don't know. I I'm probably a little bit more confident that it's gonna be okay. I don't think it's gonna be the drizzling shits, like I don't think it's gonna be a terrible match. It's just a matter of it being like you know, I want it to be better than okay. I want it to just be pretty good. And I guess that's not too much to ask. How about a dorky fantasy booking alert? Let's do it. Go ahead. We should, we need like a, a sound effect for it in the future. Like, how about, how about, uh, all right, let's do it. What was that? Some kind know, of siren? Maybe a whistle. I'll, I'll get the old raw, the old raw, like siren or whatever. So how about Makabe wins the Intercontinental title and gets challenged by Hanma? Ooh, you're always you always get, you always got these injured guys coming back and challenging for titles. I like it, but uh, you yeah. can tell what Joe Lanza would do with the pencil. I have <laughs> so you got every back. everybody that's hurt, you know, comes back and turns on his former tag partner and, and wants that title or whatever. Title. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. But well, I mean, a good nature challenge where he sticks the hand out and they shake hands, and they're going to have a scientific matchup at Invasion <laughs> Attack, right? Well, Goto Goto's still calling it out every time with Shibata. He's like, "Hey, whenever Shibata wants, he he can have a shot at this title every single time." So I don't know. Yeah, That's we're right. uh, we're approaching a little over a year with the Honda thing now, right? So I, I don't know. I have no idea what his even. He's training. They, yeah. They, okay. So that's they post tweets and videos. He's training with uh, with Tanahashi and all those guys. He's coming back. It looks like at some point. So. Um, yeah, that that's gonna happen at some point. So we've got now. This is what I'm talking about. It looks like there's a little uh, tradition brewing here where. Second year in a row, Okada does a special non-title. He calls somebody out that he wants to wrestle, and it ends up being a non-title match. Uh, last year, it was Tiger Mask W on this show. This year, it's Will Ospreay. And I don't know if there's many matches right now that I'm looking forward to more than this one. I think if these guys want to, they could easily have a match-of-the-year caliber match. I think that Will Ospreay is going to be all jacked up for this. I mean, easily the biggest match of his New Japan run, arguably the biggest match of his career. I mean, if you're headlining against, you know, arguably the best wrestler in the world and the top star in Japan in the main event of a New Japan show, I mean, has Will Ospreay had a bigger match than this? I I. Don't think he has, and he's a guy who's yeah, been in his no show way. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you can count some of the stuff that he's done in, in in Europe or whatever. But in terms of the grand scale, the big scale of wrestling, I mean, he's main eventing a show on you know the second biggest company in the world. So no, I mean, this is this has got to be the biggest moment against you know the all world, you know, far and away the best champion in the in the world right now of wrestling. A guy that's on just a historic reign or whatever. No, it's absolutely the biggest match that Osprey's ever had in his life, and it's it's a great moment. It's one of these ones that we've been calling for them to do something with this guy for years and years and years. And and you know, I mean, he's a guy who who always delivers big and, and knows the gravity of a moment or whatever, you know that he's going to give us 110%. He's going to put all that he can into this match to make it the best thing that he mm-hmm. can do. So that that's what I'm really looking forward to. He's an effort guy. Will Ospreay is all about when he yes. inve- invests in something. And he's usually an all, and it's not to say that he, he loafs through anything because he's a very much an all effort guy, but he's a guy that really understands the moment he's a fan. You know what I mean? Like he knows how big this moment is. He is probably giddy about the chance to be in the main event, to wrestle Okada, to be in a singles match, to do all that. So I think he knows that and is going to absolutely just fucking kill. It. And I, I cannot wait to see what it is. And then the other guy is Okada, who's, you know, pretty good as well. So it's like, you know, Oh yeah. And cause it's Okada, you know? Yeah. They're going to fucking kill it. I, I cannot wait. I am so excited about this match and this is heavyweight champ versus junior champ. 
you know, this is kind of historical too. And, uh, you know, there's stable mates and all those sorts of things. And I'm done complaining about Willow Spray's usually, you know, they put the title on him. He's got a successful defense under his belt. He's main evented against Okada. I'm satisfied now. You know, it's, it's, this is what I've been waiting for them to do with this guy all along. You have one of the, you have a special talent, a generational talent, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, and you're finally utilizing him. So, um, my complaints are over and I can't fucking wait for this. And I'm full, my bar, my, my expectation bar is very high for this. I expect this to be great. And, um, I will be disappointed with anything less than a great match. Anything less than like four and a half stars to me is a disappointment. I mean, I, I expect this to be a tremendous, tremendous match. So, yeah, th- this is one of those ones where unfortunately, like, I'm probably going to like, you know, I'm going to be down on it, even though it's like four and a half, just because I want it to be like, you know, a match. The, I want to just, I, I, my, sh- my spreadsheet's going to be pre-open. You know what I mean? I'm going to be all ready to sort of edit in. And that, that's going to be one that sort of, I might have to temper expectations because we could be coming on here next week and I could say, yeah, you know, it wasn't all that I thought it was going to be. And then also give it, you know, four and a half or four and three quarters. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's that level where I'm really expecting like great things out of this match. So we'll, we'll see. I really, really, really hope it's incredible. And I, and I have yeah. all reason to believe it's going to be because look at the two guys, you know, with the outcome not even close to being in any sort of doubt. Do you think that Okada has to work heel here? Um, to get the crowd behind Osprey. Yeah. And I think he will. Right. I mean, and it doesn't take much for Okada to do it. And, and that's the thing with Okada this entire year. It's, it's sort of, and, and really you can add it into the last half of the year. The fans are, are very quick to sort of turn on him if they need to. You know what I mean? Like he's a guy that hasn't really, he's been able to be really good at doing the subtleties, but they're a crowd that, that seems to seems to now kind of want the guy to lose. And I don't mean in the way where like he's got go away heat or whatever, but they want to be there when someone upsets him. They want to be there when somebody beats him. So when he's being kind of a dick and being kind of a heel, they can more easily get behind that other guy and really want that other guy to win. And I think in this case, they're going to want Osprey to win because it's the junior versus the heavyweight. And I'm sure Okada is going to come in with a dick sort of, you know, he's going to have that sort of dickish attitude the entire time and that this guy is beneath him and, and not worth his time or whatever. So I think that will be, you know, sort of a fun story to tell. And I actually do think he's going to do that. There's no way Okada plays white meat baby face this entire time. The, the heel Okada has to come out here if they want anybody to even rally behind Osprey at all. Yeah, I agree. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. You had one more New Japan note. Uh, our boy Jay White. What oh, got? He's fucking, what a shit stir this Jay White is. So this is a quote. Uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly where he said it. I think it was after one of the shows, but because um, he's always got to be in everyone's shit because it's Jay White, just Jay White's just an asshole. Uh, he says, Kotobushi, and he has no reason to be involved in this whatsoever. <laughs> he just has to say it because he's an asshole. Kotobushi, don't forget who your tag team partner is. Don't forget Invasion Attack 2015. You were up on the top about to hit the Phoenix Splash and win your first ever IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I remember. I was right there at ringside watching. You know who was else that was at you know who else was at ringside? Your best friend Kenny Omega. In case you've forgotten, he cost you that belt. Don't forget what he's like or Bushi your heart. Your heart will be broken once more. What the, what a just a shitster. Don't even like, he has no reason to be has nothing to yeah. do with this, but just kind of a hey, by the way, he's gonna turn on you. You know that, right? All right, see ya. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's not it's not his issue to be involved in, but there he goes. So I love I yeah. love this character right now. It's it's so cool. It, it really is, and that's what he's all about right now. So um, yeah, Jay White. I mean, and then that's the idea behind him. So um, they, and again, th- th- this has nothing to do with him. No. Why is he even commenting? <laughs> I just, I just, I just, 
I don't know. Somebody asked him a question, or he just decides, you know, he's trying to get involved in a little everything. Yeah, it's just, instead of switchblade, they just call him Shitster Jay White. <laughs> it should be what it is. He just, you know, yeah. walks by, just makes fun of people. You know, he's in the locker room. He just, just they could follow him around. He just, you know, walks by and tells, you know, Toa Hinari that he sucks or whatever. You know, hey, you know, Tama Tonga's better than you. All right, see you. Like, I gotta go. Like, you know, just, <laughs> I just, you could just walk by and just, just do this, just shit all the time. He just stirs shit up. For no reason, he's he's you know hi. It's it's a it's a fun little character. I enjoy it a lot, but uh, yeah, there's no need to be involved in that story whatsoever. We're just like, hey, you know, by the way, he's gonna turn on you, and he's kind of been an asshole to you your entire life. But all right, see ya. That's it. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. I'm out. Bye. Oh, Jay White, he's great. But yeah, that's pretty cool. So we got the uh, 46th anniversary. By the time most of you guys read this, we'll have a preview up on VoiceWrestling.com, and we'll also have a review of the show uh, as well. And then yeah, of course, like you said, next week we'll talk about the New Japan Cup a little bit more, break down the first round. Uh, get predictions of who we think is going to win and who's going to move on and all that other good stuff about New Japan. But uh, let's go to WWE land. So last week we did Chikara and Russell Circus and, you know, Indies or whatever. This is a very WWE and New Japan heavy show, but we're going to do Elimination Chamber. Obviously the last, one of the last steps on the road to WrestleMania. Giant sign. Everyone's got to point at the sign and look at the sign and bow before the sign and fear the sign and then look at the sign and do all this sort of stuff and this was a a, a big night for that as well everybody came out and everybody looked at the sign the camera always showed the sign but uh elimination chamber joe before you go uh match by match here what do you think of the show altogether so you obviously had the main event with the uh the, for the opportunity for the wf uh, the w universal championship match against brock lesnar uh no question who was going to win this one and obviously roman reigns did win so we got roman reigns uh, and Brock Lesnar as the main event. Uh, you had the first ever historic, first ever, first time ever, first ever historic. Uh, I believe that's all of them. Uh, Elimination Chamber match for the Raw Women's title. Alexa Bliss wins the title there. Uh, and a few other things thrown about here and there. What do you think overall the show? And then we'll kind of go uh, match by match. Very uneven show. I can't say that overall I enjoyed it. I can't believe they found a way to make an Elimination, ma- elimination Chamber match uh, like uninteresting. I thought the main event wasn't good. Yeah, um, what was that main event? It sucked. They didn't do anything. How did they not do anything? They were in the ring for like, how long was that fucking match? I swear, 40 minutes. They didn't do, what did they do in that match? It just, I mean, they chose to tell. It, and looking at the clock and watching it, I'm like, nothing is happening. Nothing is going on at all. It, they chose to tell one of their stories, and I get it. Um, And we'll get to that. I think they blew it. But yeah, I mean, in doing so, the match wasn't exciting or interesting at all. So they failed from that perspective. I thought the women's chamber match was a much better match and told a much better story and a much more interesting story. Um, the rest of the card was very hit or miss with mostly misses. I thought Asuka Nia Jax was okay. Um, I thought, well, it was actually pretty good. I thought the tag title match was okay for what it was. And I thought the Hardy Bray Wyatt oh. match was terrible. Jesus, and the match. pre-show match was the pre-show match was was bad, and it was amazing to me because, you know, I buried that match on Twitter, thinking, you know, this is just a terrible one and a half star, Bo Dallas Curtis Axel match against the club that no one will ever remember again, and it was just lazy and just a total just nothing match. And I just made a comment alluding to that and talking about how useless Curtis Axel is and Bo Dallas. And I mean, I got subtweeted the shit out of for saying that. I mean, there were people who enjoyed that match. I mean, it's mind blowing to me. I mean, I don't know, you know, what level of WWE apologist you have to be to 
defend. Yeah, who could possibly care? Who could possibly care that much about this match? If somebody hated it, whatever. Just I, like, I mean, I got imagine fucking... being like, no, dude, you're wrong. This Mistourage Club match. That's what happened. Rich. <laughs> it was nine got... minutes. It was just like a pre-show nine-minute match that nobody will ever as... remember ever again. Ever. And it was twice as long as it needed to be, and it wasn't good. I didn't see it, of course. There was nothing good about it. That, but yeah, go ahead. It was a fucking one-star match. And I mean, you know, I, I got what the kids are calling on the street, Rich, dragged for, <laughs> for burying that match. And I just don't fucking get it, you know? Um, but, you know, whatever. I mean, I you know, it was just it was a garbage match. Um. And then the show kicked off with the women's elimination chamber. Well, I guess, what did you think of the show overall before we go match? By match? Uh, I'm kind of the same way as you. I mean, it, when it was all said and done, I actually enjoyed the show, but I don't necessarily know why. It's one of those weird things where like, it was said and done. I was like, ah, oh, that was a pretty good, you know, show. That was a pretty good three hours. But then I look at the card and I like, I didn't like a lot of the card, but I think the women's elimination chamber being good and, and, and telling a pretty fun story definitely helped. I mean, there's some issues that we're going to talk about with that one. Uh, the men's elimination chamber, like I said, it's an elimination chamber match. So even when they're bad, they're kind of okay. But this one, for whatever reason, it was like, I, it's weird. I, I was, I was interested in it. Cause I was curious how the finish would come across and I would finish. I was curious how they were going to get to the finish, but they didn't really do anything. And when it was all said and done, I wasn't really like excited about it. And I didn't really like the match, but it was weird. It kept my attention. Does it, I don't know if that makes sense at all. It was like, I wasn't bordering it. I just kind of wanted it to end and it just never really ended and nothing happened in between. It's just weird. I don't know. And when it was all said and done, I enjoyed the show overall but i don't necessarily know why because i didn't really love the card you know i i, I it's really hard to reconcile with it. It, it it's and it did help that i kind of watched it a little broken up and and watched it at different times so maybe that helped but um let's go with the opener because i think that's the best way uh to kind of start is the women women's elimination chamber match they made sure to let you know that joe we made the wrong bet last week we talked about historic first time would have been the, the drinking game to play this week um they said first time at least six times. I think one time Michael Cole said for the first time ever, the first time women's elimination chamber match for the first time ever on WWE television. It was something like that where, where he said first time three times in one sentence. And I was like, that's the drinking game. We missed it. But uh, what do you think of this match overall? Cause I enjoyed it. I thought the story was pretty cool. There is one glaring flaw with the story. And I think you and I are both going to talk about that, but overall, what do you think of kind of the story and, and, and the, and the work in this match? Cause I thought the work was pretty good. Way better than I expected. Yeah. It's probably the best match on the show. Um, and I will, I guess, I mean, I, everything I want to talk about is what you kind of alluded to. So I'll let you talk about the one glaring, gaping storyline hole that they told, because I know we're going the same place with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, a little one thing real quick before I do that. Sonya Deville, I thought, was really good in this match. Did a great job of selling, took a lot of good bumps. I mean, she is one, like, and we'll talk about it later, because obviously there's the Ronda Rousey thing that happens later in the show. She is... <sighs> And, and I, I know you were ahead of the game on her a little bit, but I'm I'm all in on Sonya Deville. I think she's great, but it's like you're she's going to get so passed up and and so be oh, an yeah. afterthought. But it sucks because she is already way better than she has any right to be. I mean, she yeah. legitimately, and, and I'm not saying that she's going to be the greatest or whatever. And like she's probably still behind a few other people. But like when you talk about the baseline of what Sonya Deville does, if you put Sonya Deville in 2007, she would be the so far and away the best woman on that entire roster. But now she's just like a bit player, which speaks to how great that roster is or whatever. And it's not to say that she's amazing or whatever, but it's just like she gets the little things. She's good at taking bumps. She's good at portraying your character. She's good at, you know, sort of mannerism stuff. They have something with her. It's just a matter of are they going to care about it? Are they going to hone in on that? Are they going to use it at all? Because they do have something there. 
I think there's a lot there. Mandy Rose, not as much. But Sonya Deville, I think there is something there. And, and, and I can see the potential in this match was another example of it. But uh, the glaring plot hole, of course, is that when you get down to the final three of the match, it's Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Alexa Bliss. Bailey and Sasha Banks sort of work on Alexa Bliss, getting her cornered. They get her up on top of one of the pods. Bailey goes to climb up on one of the pods. Sasha's already there. And then Sasha knocks her down, sort of turns on her. And it's just like you know that the, it's the story of that is so dumb and it's like i understand that that maybe and i guess it was better given what i saw on monday and how they followed it up the next night but it's so silly why don't you just eliminate alexa bliss and then you two can fight it out you, there's no reason to turn on her absolutely no reason and of course it doesn't work out and alexa bliss wins i guess if you want to tell the story that sasha banks is an idiot and she just thinks for herself and can't possibly comprehend you know a little bit of strategy then okay that's fine if that's the story but that doesn't even work. I mean, the story works better of them beating each other or, or beating up Alexa and then sort of deciding. And then you can sort of play that up a little bit later. But I, I don't know. I mean, I guess they wanted to get it over that 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 Sasha Tain, you know, would turn on Bailey. But then they team the next night. Bailey sort of kind of turned on her. So I guess I get the story that they're trying to tell. But it's just like I feel like there was so much better ways to tell that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a massive logic hole. There's, there's no reason. I mean, and they were even telling you. Sasha and Bailey were waiting, you know, after they eliminated um, Mickey James, you know, they're waiting for bliss to come out of the pod so that they can double team her and get her out of the match and then fight it out between themselves. There's no logical reason for Sasha to turn on Bailey when she did none, just a massive logic hole in the match. It did hurt the match a lot for me. Um, It was very similar to Nikki throwing Brie out of the Royal rumble. Why? when they could have continued to work together. Um, you know, either because it makes these baby faces look like they're imbeciles. It makes Sasha Banks look like she's stupid because there's no logical reason for her to have turned on Bailey at that point. Just dumb. Um, so yeah, huge logical. But aside from that, um, you know, I still like this match better than the men's match. I still think it told a better story, even if that story was Sasha Banks is a fucking moron. That was a better story than what the men's match told. Um, so, um, and, and the and the work was good. I thought Sonya Deville was good. She took that Mickey James Thez press from off the top of the pod. Uh, was right there where she belonged. I I thought the finish to the match was good, where Bliss threw Banks' head into the pod and then gave her the DDT off the top. I thought it was clever that Bailey gave the belly to belly to Sasha off of the top rope to kind of knock Sasha's wind out of her for a second there. And then bliss was able to eliminate Bailey. Uh, you know, so there were a lot of nice little touches there. I liked it, but I think this is where the show peaked. Yeah. I know one of the things I really loved about this is the post-match of course, because you have Alexa bliss, uh, you have Renee young in the ring and she starts doing the interview like, Oh, you know, what does it mean to win the first ever, you know, historic first ever first time ever you know women's elimination chamber match and alexa bliss is wiping away tears and oh you know if you can dream it you can do it and you can believe it and you know i i give wb production a lot of shit because it's 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 horrendous on, on any given night uh particularly there's a gif going around from smackdown this past week where there was like in 30 seconds there's like 27 camera it's it's some obnoxious it's just ridiculous what, what they do there but i don't know if they they got lucky on this or whatever but alexa says you know if you dream it you can do it and and, and you know dream big and do all this and they cut to a little girl holding you know the WWE title and it, it's it's a great moment and then she's like and then none of you can do that because i'm the best in the world or something like that and it's just like it was so good and I, I'm, I'm so glad they did that because 
you know, when she's doing that promo, I get why they do it. I understand why you why you'd want to do that, but it's so campy and so sort of forced or whatever. So to have her just kind of spit in the face of it and go like, "Yeah, well, I'm better than all of you." So I just really like that because I I think it it hurt the veneer of an Alexa Bliss character if she went out there and just was like, "Oh, I'm so happy and this is a great moment" or whatever. Like you talk about when they did the Royal Rumble announcement and all these women are fighting in the ring and then you know. Mother Goose comes into the ring and says, oh, by the way, we're going to have a Royal Rumble. And everybody hugs and cheers and cries or whatever. It just kind of killed everything. It kind of killed the entire veneer of it. Whereas Alexa Bliss in this, it felt like she was going to do that. And then she got it right back and was like, no, no, no. I'm better than all of you. And this is my character or whatever. So I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a great way to sort of do that. That sort of they gave you a little bit of it. They let you kind of sink your teeth into it a bit. And then they yanked it away from you. And I thought that was a really cool moment. Yeah, it's a great promo. I mean, she's a great bitch. You know what I mean? Like, she- no, yeah. She portrays that character to perfection. And that was great because I thought they were going down that road of the same tearful fucking shoot bullshit that they do. And 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 it was a total play on that. And it was great. You know, because I was about to roll my eyes and bury that. I was seconds away from firing off an annoyed tweet um, because the Alexa Bliss character should not be cutting a promo like that. But um, but it was all a ruse. And, that was, and it was awesome. So, um, yeah, good match. Good post-match. All right, so then you said, yeah, the show probably peaked at this point because you had Cesaro and Sheamus uh, defeating Titus uh, Worldwide, Apollo and Titus O'Neil. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Uh, we, we sort of were worried that maybe Apollo and Titus would like get a, a weird win or whatever out of nowhere. They didn't. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus won, but man, nothing happened in this match in 10 minutes. Nothing at all. This and this was like worlds ahead of the club versus Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel and a very similar structured match. And, um, you know, I thought Cesaro and Sheamus were awesome during the, uh, you know, the control period on Apollo. Now, Titus O'Neil is not a good pro wrestler, but he's very good at, usually he's very good at cleaning house after a hot tag. And this was not his best night in cleaning house after the hot tag. So from that perspective, that was the key spot in the match. I mean, this match was built around that hot tag and it wasn't very hot. So therefore it took the match down from where it would have been a nice little match to just an average match. So that was the problem with it. Cesaro and Sheamus win as expected, but it's nothing you need to go out of your way to see. No, absolutely. Yeah. Your life will be just fine. If you, <laughs> if you never see this match, uh, Oscar defeating Nia Jack. So it's kind of cool that they obviously did not have Oscar uh, lose her streak, but uh, they're fighting this week on raw, which I don't know what that's for, but I would not be shocked at all. If Nia Jax wins that one, because why the hell would you book that again and then have Oscar win? So I'm a little worried that Jax is going to beat her uh, this week on raw, but we'll see. Uh, but either way, I thought it was pretty cool that Oscar um, did get the win. But then when they announced on you know raw that they would just be wrestling next week, I kind of lost every little bit of intrigue and, excitement from this match because it was also another like cool they had oscar win and now they have a definitive alexa bliss versus oscar but now they're still leaving that up in the air uh and obviously they're booked next week so yeah i'm i'm reser- reserving judgment on, on on sort of the post-match of this and, and what i thought of it once i see how that gonna goes down this was a good match you know and they sort of told the story of nia Jax was on her way to victory she goes for the power slam asuka gives her like the schoolboy or whatever it was and then uh nia Jax in frustration uh, beats the shit out of Asuka in the post-match and throws her through the ring barrier. Alexa Bliss is not impressed with Asuka's victory. And um, they are, we're certainly all cautiously optimistic that they're going to give us a Asuka-Alexa Bliss match at WrestleMania. I am not so certain that's going to happen. I think there's a lot of women who they're going to get onto this show, uh, meaning WrestleMania, and I think more than two of them are going to be in the title match. I think a lot of people are hoping for Bliss versus Asuka 
and Sasha Banks versus um, Bailey, but I don't see them leaving Nia Jax out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. So somehow they got to get Jax involved in something, and you know, hopefully they just leave the title match as is. I think Oscar versus Alexa Bliss is a good story, where Alexa Bliss, you know, five foot nothing, cocky. Um, you know, awesome heel and people will want to see Asuka tear her head off when she finally gets her in the ring. If they're going to do some wacky three or four way match, do it in the other women's match. If you're going to have another one from the raw side, I'm skeptical. They're going to have two women's matches from the same brand. I mean, where are you going to have room for all these? I mean, I know the show is 19 hours long, but we know that there's only going to be what seven or eight matches on the main card. You're going to do two of them on the raw women's side. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I would love to see a Sasha Banks belly match, but I, I'm just skeptical that, that that they're going to do that. Yeah, I'm as well. It's just not how they've ever booked it. And and, and until they do book it that way, I can't be confident that's yeah. how they're going to do it. I mean, that's just never how they've done it. And these shows are, are, are not designed that way ever. <laughs> and especially with the women, it just never, ever happens that way. I would, I'll be glad to be wrong, but you know, it's just, you know, I mean, cause Charlotte's, otherwise I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, well, you know, well, think Charlotte that is, that way. Charlotte's going to have a match. Right, of course. Have a SmackDown match, and you know Ronda Rousey's in the main event, and so you're gonna have technically three Raw women's matches. I, I I just don't see it. Um, but 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 we'll see how it shakes out. Right now, you know, cautious optimism that we just get Oscar versus Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the best story to tell, but yeah, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm really worried about this coming Monday when, you know, Nia Jax gets her eighth opportunity to get to WrestleMania against Asuka. So we'll see what happens. But, would you uh, be annoyed or would you see it as a slight if they do Sasha versus Bailey on the pre-show? Um, uh, yeah, I would. Sasha's kind of, is Sasha too big of a star to work the pre-show? I think so. I do. I don't and, think Bailey. And that's too but, big of a feud. I think that's too big of a feud. I think you can do something a lot bigger with that feud than have it be on the pre-show. See, I would take it on the pre-show if it means it's the only way I'm going to get it. I would take it. I think that's okay. Um, look, if Dean Ambrose can work a pre-show, why can't Sasha? No, I agree. I just well, think there's a more I, there's a better story to be told there. I no, I agree, and yeah. I don't think Amb- I don't think Ambrose should have been relegated to the pre-show, but. If that's a legit possibility, I, I, it wouldn't stun me if they did that on pre-show. I, but it does feel like it's too big of a match to be on the pre-show. And I do think a lot of people, I don't think that will go over very well. No, and that, that's the thing. The <laughs> if Sasha barely, yeah. Really bad, yeah. But, and Sasha's going to be uh, very upset too on Twitter. With yeah, her. she'll have her boo-boo yeah. face when she comes Oh, yeah. Thing. Yeah, she, she will not be pleased with that either. But, um, but yeah, I just thought that was an interesting question. Oh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, I, yeah, I would, <laughs> that would be, that'd be risky. Just throw the club and some shitty other guys on a pre show. But the problem is with this show, it's so bloated. You're going to have three or four pre show matches. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be one of those deals. So we'll see. I have no idea. And I hope both these men are on the pre show that I, so I can skip them and never see them again. Woken Matt Hardy defeated Bray Wyatt in the, the, the feud that can never fucking end. Nobody cared about the match. The crowd chanted Rusev Day. They chanted for anybody. There was a beach ball. Just fucking garbage. Terrible. Nobody cared. Match sucked. And then on Monday, they hinted towards it not ending. And Bray Wyatt said, oh, you know, I'll see you again. I'll eat you world. I'm in the eater of world. And then, then Matt Hardy went, ah, and then it's like, what are we doing? Why is this still happening? What what, what can I do to make this feud stop happening? What you got to drag it out until 
God. Brother Vero shows up or something, you know? God. Like, he, he, can't, he won't be Brother Nero. He'll oh, have, to, have to change it to something else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was horrendous. They did the obsolete song and two people sung it. You know what I mean? It was so sad. Yeah. So yeah, they're like, all and right, well, here's the absolute song. Everyone's gonna end. It's like four people in the crowd were like, absolute. And it was just like, okay. I, I, I want to pull. I would really love to pull the tape where we told everybody that it wouldn't be as as over as people thought it would be in this company. People thought people were gonna go ape shit for this thing, and you know, we screamed. We were the only ones saying that. I don't know. There's a big difference between you know 150,000 people watching Impact, and you know, so. Yeah, it, it was embarrassing the reaction that the obsolete song got. Um, woken Matt is not over. Um, it could be because he's woken and not broken. That is a possibility. Um, but who knows? But but this match stunk. This feud stinks. Everything Bray Wyatt does is horrendous. oh, he's so bad. He's so fucking terrible. God, and, he's so bad. And it's like, um, you know. The, the fact that they're keeping it going, at least it keeps these two dopes together. But the live crowd turned on it. They were busy batting beach balls around. Bray Wyatt was visibly frustrated at that. He kept looking at the crowd. Yeah. They would zoom to him. And it's like that's the time when maybe let go of the zooms a little bit when the crowd's like actively cheering for something else. Cause you could see he was in the corner like sort of selling something and you'd see him look in the crowd. He sees eyes like tracing yeah. the beach ball or the eyes like hearing people chant for Rusev and here and like <laughs> see him just seething inside. It's like, well don't fucking suck. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure in his head. And I'm sure there were tweets. I wasn't there. I wasn't watching it live. But I'm sure there's like, oh, that's disrespectful. Don't disrespect the guys in the ring. It's like, no, they fucking suck. You know, make make me interested. And I won't throw on a beach ball. If the match is great, no one's going to be thrown on a beach ball. If the match is great and the feud's great and the guys are great, no one's going to be chanting Rusev Day. Nobody chanted Rusev Day during the women's title, uh, the women's elimination chamber. You know what I mean? It's, it's, so it's like that yeah. thing where everyone's like, oh, that's disrespectful. Oh, you can't do that. Or, oh, da, 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 da. No, just don't fucking suck. <laughs> and then no one's going to do yeah. that. But they fuck. They suck. It's terrible. That's an argument I've been making for years. Oh, I mean, look, so some sometimes there are crowds that are in business for themselves. I'm not going to say there's not, but there's other times like this where they just weren't interested, and that's why the crowd entertained themselves in another way because the match stunk, and it's two people that they don't care about. And I'm gonna, you know, Bray Wyatt calls himself the modern Undertaker. It's amazing the opinion he has of himself, and nothing he does is ever good. So. This was bad. This was like a one star match. It was it was just not good. And I was even more upset the night after when, when Bray, you know, I forget he beat Slater or something like that or whatever the fuck he did. He beat up <laughs> Slater and Rhino. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he beat up Slater and Rhino. Then he gets in the corner and then grabs the mic and is like, "Oh, I'm not done with you." I'm like, "No, please, yeah. be done with him. He beat you. It's over." God. Yeah. He should go take his miniature horses and go to his strip clubs and just <sighs> go away. Yeah. I mean, he should eat his own world. He should just, you know, uh, fucking leave us alone. He's killed everybody in the path that he's been on. When's the last time he was involved in something that wasn't terrible? <laughs> and they all go on for like six months, too. It's like, please, poor Finn Balor. Yeah. Remember the Finn Balor? He's like, oh, God, please let Finn Balor go. It's just, God, he's so bad. But I, like you said, the best part is like he thinks he's the shit. The writers think it's awesome. I'm sure Vince thinks it's great because he's saying all these funny things and these great words and he's talking in this tone and he's got this like, you know, his fun little voice inflection that he thinks is so great and it's just fucking garbage and nobody cares and it's all terrible. So yeah, It is bad. It's really bad. Oh, 
Oh, all right, this match sucked. But uh, then the main events, uh, as you said, Elimination Chamber match. This is for the Universal Championship match against Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns defeats Braun Strowman, Elias, Finn Balor, John Cena, Seth Rollins, and The Miz. Uh, what do you think of this one? We talked about it a little bit at the top. I um, was kind of left. I was interested in sort of seeing the result. I knew Roman Reigns was going to win. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that that was going to be the, the conclusion. So my interest level was seeing how they were going to get to that, how the crowd would react, and, and sort of the ways that they would sort of maneuver around it. But as far as the bulk of the match, I mean, 40 minutes went by, and I honestly, other than the Miz doing the yes kicks to you know people for 10 minutes while they all stood on their knees, I don't remember a thing that happened in the match. It, it's just a very lackluster Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, so, you know, halfway through, you realize the story of the match is Braun Strowman eliminates everyone, looks completely indestructible, and then you're like, okay, well, he, and then Roman is going to beat him, and it, they're this, they're going to make Roman look strong as fuck, or attempt to make Roman look strong as fuck by defeating this indestructible fucking monster. So it, it's not a story I'm particularly thrilled with, but I understood. And I was like, okay, that's how they're going to make Roman look strong for Brock. I get it. That's fine. And then that's what they do. But there's two problems. The finish is very flat because Braun survives a coup de gras, a fucking attitude adjustment. He survives a shield fucking power bomb. He survives everybody's finish. He's kicking out at one. He's throwing people around. He eliminates everyone with his very low impact looking power slam. Um, and then Roman just hits two Superman punches, hits two spears, and beats him. I felt like the crowd wasn't really ready for it. It was kind of flat. And then you're like, all right, well, I can forgive that because they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish here. Roman beat the indestructible guy who beat the fuck and eliminated everybody else. Uh, the match wasn't great. The story's kind of eh, but all right. But then Braun recovers. And and murders Roman in the post match, which undoes the yeah, which completely undoes the story so you just told. And they do it so much with Braun Strowman too, because they can't go all the way with Braun Strowman, but they always want to protect him. And this happened in the in the Survivor Series when Triple H beat him, yes. and then he just beat him up. And it's like, well, what the fuck? Just do something. Pick a path. So here's so here's the thing. If if you have to have if you're afraid if you have to have Braun get his heat back. Okay, and you're so concerned about Braun, then why doesn't he just win the fucking match? Thought, yeah, if, if every event is some way to get his heat back once the match is over, even if he wins or loses, then it's, there's an easy way to solve that. It's just have him win, right? Like, just have him. Because then Roman, everything Roman earned by beating this indestructible guy is thrown out the fucking window when, the, when this guy just pops up from his. From two spears and two Superman punches, he just pops up and beats the shit out of Roman anyway. So how is Roman going into the Brock match looking strong when when no matter who got their hand raised, Braun looked like the indestructible superstar in the match? You either have to have Roman win the match and leave, and the, the show has to end with Braun laying there dead to hammer home the fact that Roman is the fucking big dog and toppled this fucking beast, or Braun beats everyone, including Roman, and you just go all the way with Braun. What they did is everybody loses. Braun loses the match. Nobody has to look bad, and then nobody looks good. Yeah. It's it's the terrible fallacy that they have these days. It's 
like if you like Braun that much, then just go all the way with Braun. He's the better pick anyway. People are dying for Braun for them to go all the way with Braun. See what you have with Braun. Now look, they're going to see this story out with Roman and Brock. We've known this. Okay, they weren't going to switch gears. But maybe it's time to see what you have in Braun. Give it a shot. I mean, it's clear they're protecting them anyway. But this did not help Roman. And, and I mean, look, like I said, the finish came off a little flat anyway. I think Roman is unfixable anyway. At this point. Roman is what he is. And this is not time or place for that. But it's like, at least fucking try. Have him leave Braun Lane. What a mess this turned out to be. And the match wasn't good. So... This was just 40 plus minutes of shit. You know, that accomplished nothing. And, and, and the match wasn't even entertaining. How do you have an elimination chamber match? that isn't entertaining. Hard. (laughs) It's not easy. They found a way, man. I, it was, it was just frustrating because nothing really happened. And it's like, nobody When it was all said and done. Nobody really, like you said, the the big thing is that nobody really looked good. Nobody really. No. Well, Braun looked great, but they, but, but for what? Right, if you lose in the end, you know, what does it really matter? Yeah, and what's then, like, the end game though? He's right. just going to be in some dopey match, and you know, it's like I think everybody look. The first one wasn't good, but it's like Braun and Lesnar is the match to me. I mean, you know, it, it, we all knew it was going to be Roman and and, and Brock, and Roman's going to win and all that. And but I mean, what's going to happen in that match? Is Roman going to win the title and then Brock's going to destroy him afterwards? I mean, and they just, <laughs> I mean, what is happening? This was so poorly booked. This is such a poor story um, on top of a boring 40-minute match. So I don't know. I just didn't enjoy any of this, and I didn't enjoy the story they told whatsoever. Uh, so we'll talk, let's, let's talk about Monday, what happened as well. So and then we'll go, and then I think we'll circle back and do the Rousey thing. We, f- yeah. we forgot about that, but uh, that needs to be talked about because that was a thing. That was a thing. But let's, uh, let's talk about the Roman uh, segment the next night. So obviously you have a pretty interesting weekend for Brock Lesnar. He, he is photographed on, I think, Saturday, Sunday uh, with Dana White. Obviously he's wearing a UFC shirt. So that, that leads to a lot of, oh my God, he's talking to Dana White again. Maybe he's planning a return to UFC or whatever. Uh, they... Talk the entire night on on Sunday that that Brock is going to be there on on tomorrow and uh, on Raw and he's going to you know meet face to face with Roman Reigns the second Roman Reigns wins the graphic comes up next week you know or, or, or tomorrow on on Raw Reigns and Lesnar you know as Ross starts they talk about Reigns and Lesnar then Lesnar doesn't come out and then Reigns comes out and cuts a uh, shooty ish promo on uh, on Lesnar talks about how he's always here and you know Lesnar just kind of comes in for a few minutes and and does this thing and he's a part time player and all this sort of stuff. Um, you can obviously see the, the entire promo if you want to kind of get the entire idea. We're not going to, you know, retrace every single step of it here. But essentially, the idea is that Roman Reigns, and, and this is, I guess, how they're going to play this story up um, in leading up to WrestleMania, that Lesnar's the part-time guy who comes in, does his shots, and leaves, and Roman Reigns is the company guy. And that's, I guess, supposed to get Roman Reigns over as a babyface? What, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? I like the Roman promo on Monday. Um and I kind of liked that they did the deal where Heyman and Brock kind of blew him off because, like, they don't respect him and that sort of thing. I I, I kind of thought it worked. Um, the problem the 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 problem with it is, it's like Roman talking about how he respects the place and I like this place and I I care about it enough to show up. I thought Barry Murphy made a good point on Twitter in that it's like 
being a company man, especially in this company, is what doesn't get you over with this company's fans. It's like Stone Cold, anti-authority. CM Punk, anti-authority. Daniel Bryan, literally anti a group called The Authority. Um, you know, and it's like people like to rally around people who rage against the machine, um, especially in our current political climate too, you know, all of those things. And it's like part of the reason Roman hasn't been able to get over with the masses is because he's seen as the company choice and the company man. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is yet another promo, like the promo, his delivery and the, and the story, I like all that, but the problem here is it's still Roman Reigns company dude. And it's like, if, if, if Brock is the anti company guy, the, I don't give a fuck about this company guy. I'm just here to, you know, use the company and make money. And like, that might get him over more than brought than Roman being the, I care about WWE guy. And it's like, they started off with wanting Roman to be a Hulk Hogan like babyface, right? This this Superman babyface with his same finishing sequence, you know, Hogan with the big boot and the leg drop, Roman with the spear and the Superman punch. And, you know, it's like and that didn't work. And then um, you know, now they've sort of accepted that half the crowd is never going to like Roman. So they're trying the John Cena thing with him where I don't care what you do. I don't care. You can boo me if you want. You can cheer me if you want. He doesn't have the same kind of charisma as John Cena though. So it doesn't really quite work. And it's like now he's this John Cena type guy where it doesn't matter if you boo him or cheer him. It doesn't matter. I'm just the guy. I'm the, I'm the big dog. I, I love this company. All that John Cena shit. It's like they, they keep trying to make Roman – in the mold of former top baby faces that worked, but he's just his own guy. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like Vince always tries to follow the path that has already been taken with, when it comes to Roman. And I think that's why he can't get over the top. And I, I like the promo. I liked his delivery and I, I liked the setup. I'm just not sure. I'm the company guy is the right way to go here. Right. You can, you can in one way respect, and I, I'm right with you on that. I can respect the story they're trying to tell and think it's a pretty good story, but think that it has no way and no chance in hell of working on this audience. It's like in a vacuum, the story they're telling is great. They're telling uh, the idea that, you know, I'm here all the time. I'm this guy. It, it, it's not totally different than what they did with the John Cena rock thing a few years ago, but that was also just kind of met with a little, ah, eh, you know, because this company, I mean, when you really look back at it, really go back and look, how long has it been since there's been a real, a, a guy in this company that the people have, 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 have backed that was company guy. That was, I'm through and through. I love this company. I mean, you got to go back way far. I mean, even it may be Bret Hart, you know what I'm saying? And it's not unrealistic to say that. Go back and look at the, the history of the champions and look back at the big stars. Stone Cold. You know, The Rock was a guy who was in some way happy to be there, but was cocky and, and sort of did that. Triple H, obviously, what was yeah. was you know anti-authority in a lot of ways until he became the authority in, in, in some ways. And that's one of the issues is a lot of guys, it's either anti-authority babyfaces or the authority as the heels. Rarely has it been like, I love this company. You guys are the best. That guy hasn't gotten over in a long, long time. And, and making Roman that guy is not what's going to do it because the fans see through the veneer. They know that he's the company guy, and that's why they don't like him. 
They know yeah. that he doesn't speak up, that whatever Vince churns out, he does and whatever. And people see through that. Fans are smart. Well, more importantly, they know he's handpicked. Exactly. That's- and that's always been the issue with Roman Reigns. From day one, that was the issue is they knew that he was the guy. They knew that the second Vince laid his eyes on this guy, that he was going to be pushed as a megastar, whether he was ready or not. And that's what they did. And, you know, there's been bumps and bruises along the way. They've kind of kept going on with it. They haven't changed. They haven't changed. They haven't changed. But to now then have him painted as the character. That's sort of, and we talked about this years and years ago. I remember on the show that the best thing in the world to do with him is when you had the authority going on with Daniel Bryan is for Roman Reigns to have joined the authority because everybody knew that that would have been a realistic story. Daniel Bryan is this guy who's too short, indie guy, too small, can't do it. Roman Reigns is the handpicked guy. Have the authority be with Roman yeah, Reigns. They were, yeah, and they went with Rollins. Exactly. They went with Rollins, which was, again, it didn't work because the veneer wasn't there. It was like, no, you know, we know that that's not the guy. We know that Roman Reigns is the handpicked guy. They, they, fans know. Fans are smart. They don't get, you know, the bullshit. You can't just shovel bullshit to them and 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 think they're going to accept it and, and know it. I mean, people see through that, and that's going to be the issue. And like you said, I think a lot of people are going to root for Brock Lesnar because the climate of the world right now is very much, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, pro-labor, anti-establishment. And that's what, you know, Brock Lesnar is a guy who I think a lot of people root for in the sense that, like, hey, dude, this guy got an awesome deal. He goes out there, he busts his ass. But, yeah, he's not a company guy. He kind of, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't sit with any one you know, organization. He doesn't. He does what's best for him. Does what's best for himself. He's he's selfish, but in some ways, it's uh, we're glad that he's selfish because he's sticking it to the man. Leverages he makes, everything he can. He to, makes these yeah. big companies fall over themselves to try to get to him. He's got Vince McMahon and Dana White and UFC and the NFL and all these places scrambling to get his services, and that's cool to people. We're we're seeing it right now in in, in baseball, sort of a real sports thing where we're. A lot of the, the the conversation is the players are getting screwed over by the rich owners who are not you know willing to pay these guys. You know, that's a way different thing than never in my life has that ever been the case. It's always been, oh, these rich entitled players that they should just do what the owners say and they shouldn't try to get so much money. Oh, I, I, you know, you could pay me a hundred dollars and I'd play a game for my job or what, you know what I mean? Like that always used to be the tenor and, and, and the conversation. It's not that anymore. It's very much people are realizing that, that people are worth their value and, and, and sort of seeing big giant corporations and big businesses as the evil and and people and 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 in this case wrestlers and Brock Lesnar as as the good because he's a guy who who does what's best for himself but in in doing that tries to get the most value out of himself and leverages these big companies against themselves so to try to understand and try to think that they would root for Roman Reigns over Brock Lesnar just I I I can't imagine how they would think that'd be a good story I mean shit CM Punk is 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 gonna is one of the more popular guys you know in the processing world because he said fuck you I'm out of here. You know, how many guys Cody's is, is sort of leveraging that a little bit as well. Even if it wasn't as tenuous as it was with CM Punk, Cody's thing is, hey, I branched out, I left, and now I'm doing my own thing. The Bucks are, we talked about it with the all-in, with the elite and all that sort of stuff. The Bucks are, hey, we don't need you. We can do this on our own. Kenny Omega, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. And that's what people rally behind now. People don't rally behind the, hey, I signed with this company and I love this company through and through. So that is going to be the issue that they're trying to do. And, and again, we'll see. We're just one week into it. We'll see how the story kind of progresses and goes. But if their intention, which I'm assuming the intention is, uh, the intention is that Reigns is cheered and Lesnar is booed, it's, I don't think it's going to work that way. I really don't. And that's even if Brock Lesnar says I'm going to UFC and this is my last WWE match, they're, they're not going to react the way they did at WrestleMania 20 when they knew Lesnar was out and they knew Goldberg was out. That's gone. The, the, the undying, we're with you WWE lockstep, you know, you're our company. We're watching you. Is is gone? It's very much an anti-establishment company. Fans <laughs> go there to just, tell Vince McMahon that this shit sucks. It's what yeah, the and when you are for, they're not for. And, pre- and when you present this, the McMahon family as heels for 20 years, that was eventually going to happen anyway. 
You know, and that that's part of it too. On the same fucking show, they had the commissioner of WWE and and the COO be mega heels that are fucking over Ronda yeah. Rousey. And then mm-hmm. twenty minutes later, hey, this company's the great, so let's cheer for me because I'm all for the company. Yeah. What? You just twenty minutes ago made the company out to be these greedy assholes. Yeah. So what? You got to pick one lane. It can't be both. Yeah. Unless it is going to be both. I don't know. It's not going to be though. You know what I mean? We we know what this is going to be, and everyone's going to get in their mind. Oh, he's going to join the authority. He's going to turn. They're not doing that. The Reigns train, as you said, is not changing. This is just the story that they're going to tell this time. Then he's going to win. The pyro is going to go off. They're going to talk about the Roman Empire. And then next week will just begin again. Yeah, and half the crowd will be booing him, and he'll get booed out of the building on Raw. And unfortunately, time is a flat circle as far as it relates to to Reigns. But I mean, this is what they're trying for the time. But it's just, uh, man, I don't know. How can anyone be excited about Roman Reigns at this point? Unless you're ten. I mean, you just you can't be. I don't know. See it through. I mean, I'm I'm kind of interested in the story just to see what's going on with the Lesnar thing. But uh, yeah, we'll. uh, We'll see how it goes, but uh, yeah, it's it's really risky, but uh, I'll give it time. I mean, I, I enjoyed the promo. I enjoyed the delivery. It felt it felt like the most real Roman Reigns promo we've had in a long time, so hopefully that's a yeah. step in the right direction of maybe having him be kind of a human being as opposed to yes. whatever he's been before, which is just this, you know, really yeah, but lame, it, terrible guy, it, but yeah. That's, yes, but it, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, the fans are annoyed that they didn't pick him. The company picked him. Yeah. That, that and, that's, and that's, that's what is going to doom him forever. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. The, the fans perceive that they were not given a chance to pick him. So. All right, Joe, uh, we'll close out the show here. We've got about 20 minutes left. Um, about the, the feud that would never end has appears to have finally end. Flow Sports and oh, WWE. Hold on now. Oh. we got to do Ronda Rousey. Oh, of course. I forgot about Got to do Ronda Rousey. You're so right. Ronda I, I kind of wanted to, but uh, I kind of wanted to uh, forget about it. But Really? See, I think it's working now. Um, I, I thought she was – the first half of the segment at Elimination Chamber was terrible when she was doing her aw shucks routine again um, and just not conveying herself the way she needed to be. But I think once Kurt Angle stirred up the pot, and she got her mean face on and put Triple H through the table and took the slap from Steph. That was the Ronda I wanted to see. And I thought on Raw, same thing. That's, that's way in Ronda. And that's what Ronda needs to be. Not happy-go-lucky. I'm so happy to be a pro wrestler. Look at the smile on my face. I love Roddy Piper. I love pro wrestling. Awkwardly pointing at the sign. So I kind of think, for me, I think Ronda has, they've turned the corner with her and she's conveying what she needs to convey. You're still thinking this is shit? Um, I think she's doing better. I think the whole segment was shit because Kurt Angle is so bad. Okay, so you can't stand Kurt. You think Kurt Angle I think the whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not necessarily an indictment of Ronda Rousey. I think the first part of the thing was terrible and I think they now know that she can never, ever have her talk. At Chamber. Yeah. She can never talk again. She should never talk. She should stare, and she should do hip tosses and arm bars. She should yes. never, ever, ever, ever talk again. Ever. Right. That was bad. But She's really I agree. Bad. The, the ha- last half of that was w- was decent. The problem, though, was the entire angle itself. Triple H and Steph, the, the, the motivation that they have is, is weird, and it doesn't quite make a lot of sense. But I, I, I suppose, whatever, they embarrass them. But Kurt Angle was so fucking horrible on, on Elimination Chamber. And the fact that he's now in this angle and he's going to be a big part of it and possibly teaming with Ronda Rousey makes me not care about it in any way whatsoever. From a kayfabe sense, 
why do Triple H and Stephanie want her in the company if they think she's washed up and no good? They want to embarrass her, Joe. <laughs> that's that's the reason. I guess. I mean, it doesn't work. That's what I mean. That's why. I, like, even though Ronda's fine and it's been okay, the whole fucking story is stupid. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, that's the motivation: is that uh, four years ago you embarrassed us, and so now we're gonna spend a bunch of money to sign you so that we can embarrass you. I guess. Right, but until Kurt Angle antagonized the situation, they were just playing nice with Ronda. Right. So, so how were they? Later, so they could later drive the knife into her. You know what I mean? Well, like six months from now or a year right. from now. This is just yeah. It did. The story doesn't make any sense. But um, I, I I do think Ronda is conveying herself much better. I, I I will say that, and that is so clearly the main event of the show. I mean, they could sit here and tell me that Roman Reigns is main eventing his fourth WrestleMania in a row. First of all, Shane McMahon and Undertaker was the main event of that row. Of, of what? what was that two years ago? Um, uh, two, yeah, yeah. The Hell in a Cell. Okay, so Roman Reigns did not main event that WrestleMania. Well, who do you wrestle? Triple H in that? In that yes, in you, don't, you don't remember that match, Joe? <laughs> Shockingly. I, uh, yeah. so but I mean, and, and this, the other two, you want to make an argument for the Undertaker match, it's fine. You want to make an argument for um, the, the Brock match, I guess, was the other one they're saying. That, yeah, yeah. that, that was one, very that clearly sure. the main event. That yeah, that one was that Yeah, one. very clearly the main event. This Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns match is not the main. Ronda Rousey is the main event. I mean, that is, you know, Ronda Rousey, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, that is the main event of the show. Um, and and you know, one thing I found interesting, totally anecdotal, um, and that's all this is meant to be is anecdotal. Watching the show, got a friend over. Um, TLB hates wrestling, doesn't understand it. Wants to know when Ronda Rousey's coming out. So. She knows Ronda. I know Ronda. I want to watch Ronda. Yeah. Okay, no problem. I let her know. She comes out to watch the Ronda segment, glued to the TV. Glued to the TV. Watches Ronda throw Triple H to the table, watches her get slapped. She's popping for it. And then Ronda's leaving, turns to us and says, That's it. That's all she's doing tonight. She's not wrestling. Like, excited. This is someone who couldn't pick Stone Cold Steve Austin out of a lineup. Okay. Hyped up about Ronda Rousey. This is going to work. This is going to work. This is going to draw casuals. This is going to draw people in. Um, uh, you know, you could talk about you know, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey getting knocked out by by uh, you know Holm or whoever, whatever you want. It, it nobody, no, 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 no one cares. Okay, someone like this who watches Entertainment Tonight and knows who Ronda Rousey is because she's on Jimmy Kimmel doesn't give a shit that Ronda Rousey lost an MMA fight. I, I'm sorry, they don't. That's bubble shit. Ronda Rousey's a star. Um. You know, I don't know, you know, it seems like she's over in the buildings, but I don't know how, but I'm not entirely sure how wrestling fans are going to take to her, but, but I get the sense that casuals are interested in this and will be interested in this. So from that perspective, I, I think it's very clearly the main event of the show. I think she's conveying herself much stronger. You're right. The storyline doesn't make sense. I could totally see why Rich Krejci doesn't care. You don't care about MMA. You don't care about Ronda Rousey. You think Kurt Angle is the shits. And you think the story stinks. I got an argument with you. Um, you know, and we have no idea if she can go in the ring. I mean, obviously the match at WrestleMania isn't going to be about that. Um, Stephanie McMahon is going to have to do her fucking best to make her look good. It's going to be very important that Ronda doesn't shit the bed in the match. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious, very curious to see R- Ronda wrestle. Um, 
and and to see where this goes and to see what exactly a full-time roster member means in her case. Mm-hmm. That I'm curious about too. Is she going to be working Des Moines, Iowa uh, house shows against uh, Sonya Deville? Is she going to be on Raw every single week? I, those, is she going to be on every pay-per-view? Those are the things I'm curious about. Yeah, and, and it's funny because sort of a juxtaposition of we talked about Brock Lesnar and how fans sort of rally behind the fact that he's a part-time guy and comes in when he wants or whatever. But to them, he earned it. The problem with Rousey is that if she does that, the wrestling fans, I think the same fans that are going to root for Brock Lesnar for being a part-time guy and, and root for the punk, you know, CM Punk's of the world and those sort of guys are going to, I think at the same time, be upset that Rousey sort of comes in and, and, and gets this golden spoon right off the bat. You know what I mean? Or the silver spoon right off the bat. I think that's going to be the issue that they're going to have to play with her is that she hasn't yeah. earned it to these fans. So there's going to have to be a lot. You cannot treat her with kid gloves. You can't give her a ton of opportunities right away. And they're going to need to toe that line pretty carefully. And I think they've done that already by obviously not having her involved in a women's title match and not having her go for that. But what you do after this mania and how you sort of progress with her after that is going to be super important because you cannot just make her the focal point right away or people are going to respond negatively to that because they know, again, like it's this weird meta thing where they know that the company is super invested in her, even if the story is whatever. But if they're invested in her, she's got to do the work and people have to sort of, she has to earn it in a lot of ways, which is, is, is interesting with the 